Thank you so much for downloading this episode of So What Do You Really Do, the podcast where I, your host, Dead or Dennis, interview artists and entertainers about their day jobs. Uh, we talk about the duality of having to work a real job while trying to make it in a career uh, that is based around entertainment or arts or stuff like that. Essentially, I'm just talking to comedians. That's really <laughs> that's all I do is talk to comedians right now. That's all I know. Uh, I have some bands on the hook. We're just working out like timing and stuff like that. That's the hardest part is getting all of them organized to come here to my studio, my home studio that I built, which is coming along nicely. I'm putting some more stuff in here. I just hooked up. Uh, uh, I'll, I'll post pictures of the studio when it's, when it's done. Uh, right now I have, uh, I should just post a picture. Cause now I'm going to tell you this. I still have mattresses against the wall for sound dampening. <laughs> that kind of makes me feel, uh, unprofessional, but everyone, uh, remarks on how professional looking the studio is. And I think it's, uh, insulting. Uh, <laughs> if you ever listen, if you listen to other podcasts, one of my favorite podcasts is Nerdist, uh, with Chris Hardwick and his podcast starts the same way each and every time it's, uh, somebody going, uh, uh, talking. And then they go, by the way, did we start yet? Are we recording? Oh, okay. Uh, a few times that has happened, but the number one thing, and I cut it out of all the podcasts cause I enter, uh, cause I edit and I don't want, uh, I, I don't want it to be a running gag, but I'll say it now. The uh, number one thing that would be said at the beginning of each of my podcasts when people are walking in is, oh, wow, this looks really professional. It's like, yeah, I've been working in radio for 16 years. Like, do you think that I, that I could not put together a professional looking studio? And again, spare parts, spare parts. Uh, I've now been buying some things. I bought new microphones, which will be coming soon. Uh, they should be coming just before I leave for Baltimore. I'm going to be doing the Charm City um, Comedy Festival May 14th. I'm going to do a bunch of other shows while I'm in town there. So if you're in the Mid-Atlantic area, Baltimore, D.C., uh, check deaderdennis.com. Right there on the front will be information about where I'm going to be there and stuff. Or, you know, you can follow me on the Twitters at deaderdennis. Oh, plugs, 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 plugs are over. Okay. But it's uh, one of those things that uh, bother me a little bit when people walk in and they're surprised that I could put a professional studio together. So, But it's going to get more professional looking. Uh, I had to buy uh, acoustic foam. That's the only – that's the biggest purchase, uh, that and the new microphones. I had microphones. These microphones sound good. They work. They're grand. They're fantastic. But uh, I just wanted new ones. They were cheap. Um Really good ones for for a discounted price. So I was like, I can't pass that up, so I didn't. And here we are. Uh, one of the new additions I did do is I just hooked up a new monitor. Uh, there's a we've had a big, huge, gigantic TV sitting in one of our storage rooms here at the apartment, and we dragged it in here, and I hooked up a Chromecast to it, so it has like video and can do all kinds of cool things. Now, which I uh, which is I enjoy the most about it. Oh, that reminds me, I have to now actually rewire some of the audio in here because of that. Oh, yeah. I just thought about that. All right. Hey, guys, I'm just here making <laughs> mental checklist notes on the podcast. My guest on the podcast, by the way, today is also another local comedian and producer, uh, show-making, happening guy, uh, Alex Getlin. He's a nice guy. He's from the L.A. area. He came out here to Boston uh, to do comedy, and now he's going back to L.A. in a little bit, which we will talk about on the podcast. You hear that. But the reason I had him in is because his interesting job is he used to work for TMZ, uh, the the. Do we want to call it news? Is that what we want to call that? The celebrity news gossip site, uh, TMZ. I guess there really is a news site because they break news. Like, they just broke the news about, um, uh, who did they break the news about? Oh, Prince dying. Yeah, Prince passed away. R.I.P. Prince. Uh, Purple Rain. Oh, Windows Cry. Raspberry Beret. All right. 
There, there's our tribute to Prince, just naming things he's been a part of. But uh, yeah, they broke that news. They break a lot of celebrity news, and good for them. So we talk about the TMZ. He was actually a tour guy for the TMZ tour, uh, but he had worked with them and uh, with the TV side of it and, and the gossip site stuff. So we'll go into a little bit of that. And also he works, uh, he books a lot of shows here in the Boston area, running his own shows. Because, you know, if you want to get stage time, make it. That's uh, what they say. So we talk about that. We talk about a couple other things. One of the things uh, that I was impressed when it came to Alex was um, his ability to talk to me while searching for things on his phone. Uh, I don't want to say he was constantly on his phone. Uh, there was a couple times where we were talking about something and it was one of those, here, let me look that up while we do it. And he does a really good job of multitasking, talking while looking things up. Hell, I just uh, saw my phone light up right now. I was like, oh yeah, let me be the radio professional make sure I turn off the notification so it doesn't make a noise in the middle of me recording this intro. And it took me a few seconds. I slowed down and had to concentrate a little bit more just to do that while continuing to talk to you. Uh, effortlessly as if I didn't want to tell people or make it uh, known that I was doing something else with my hands while talking, except I just told you I did that. Uh, It's very interesting, my history with TMZ, uh, which is not any history at all, uh, but my thing with TMZ is I used to have to read TMZ every day when I worked uh, for not one but two top 40 radio stations uh, just to keep up on celebrity gossip, celebrity news, and I'm not into that kind of stuff, but I became very... uh, uh, well-versed in celebrity news, gossip, romance between what celebrities. It became a little bit annoying to my friends when all of a sudden something celebrity gossip was just drop out of my mouth. Um, but the thing that got me through that is even though I didn't care about that stuff and it's annoying garbage trash, I just looked at it as news, as any other news. You know, I have a degree in journalism, so I, I can technically do real news if I wanted to, uh, if somebody would hire me to. It's not a desire if I want to do it. If somebody wants to hire me to do news, I could do it uh, for the most part. Uh, I'm qualified, I guess. I studied news. But so just doing celebrity news is just like doing any other news. You just have to read about it. You know, you got to know where to find the news and then you report about it. It's no different than if I was doing sports. Uh, I'd be well-versed. I'd have to be well-versed in the sports world, which wouldn't take too long to be able to do that. So you start off with uh, local news, like local sports. Uh, as I don't have to be well-known. Like, uh, hopefully nobody has to quiz me. But with the internet and everything, I just have to be able to backtrack information. Which you can do that with the internet. just takes a little bit more reading and preparation. Uh, so with celebrity news, it's kind of the same as doing regular news or journalism or politics or anything like that. Uh, so I got through all of that for those years and now I'm out of it. So I don't pay attention to it. Occasionally something will pop up. So it'll be news wise. And I just, I just groan to myself because it's like, ugh, I don't care about that. And I don't have to, because I do traffic reports now. So again, traffic reports, no different than any other news. It just, all I had to do was learn what the roadways were. That was my preparation, learning what the roadways were. So, but it was very funny to, when I was younger doing all this stuff with top 40 radio stations because I come from a world of a bunch of punk rockers. We're all just dirty punks and metalheads. So my friends would get really just like, oh, how do you listen to that pop music garbage? I'm like, you know, dude, I just I don't care. It makes other people happy. I just tune it out. It's fine. It's a job. It's a paycheck. It pays me. But now that I'm getting older, uh, and especially a few years ago before I moved here to Boston when I was still working for a top 40 station, uh, I'd run into friends and be like, oh, dude, I heard you're, you're – 
your segment on uh, the Jackson Blue Morning Show, or I heard you on Z1043 the other day. I was like, why are you listening to that session? And we're, it's because we're getting to the age where they're like, my kids listen to it. So, like, they have small young kids who listen to the top 40 radio sessions. They get stuck listening to it in the car. And, and this is the thing. Now we're getting to the age where we're, you know, we're all musicians and whatnot, that we don't care about things. You just kind of just let things go when you get a little bit older. And they're like, you know, dude, I listen to that stuff now, and it's not as bad as it used to be, or I don't hate it as much as I used to because they're just integrating it or they just don't hate things as much as they used to, which is fun uh, to to sit around with a bunch of old friends who are just dirty punks with dyed hair and mohawks playing, um, you know, heavy, fast guitar riffs, three chords, and then they're like, oh, you know, I heard that new Christina Aguilera song, and you know, it wasn't that bad. So that's my fun. In life now, getting to the age that I'm getting at. And speaking of age, oh, I have a birthday coming up. Oy. I hate birthdays. Mostly because of the Facebook uh, messages of, of people going, happy birthday. And it's like, you don't actually care. Why are you? We haven't talked. Why are we even doing this? Why do we have to go through this? This rig and roo. Oh, yeah, no, great. It's th- I thank you for wishing me a happy birthday that you really could not care about. That's why I don't send them. If I really want to tell somebody happy birthday who is somebody close to me, I call them or I text them. Mostly I text them. I'm kind of lazy that way. Anyway, the uh, guest on the podcast is Alex Gatlin. Uh, we're going to talk about something. Uh, sorry, this episode's a little bit late. We'll do some explanation of it uh, after the podcast because it's something very serious and important that I want to talk about. I don't want to sully the interview that's coming up. So if you stick around, if you want to hear something serious uh, about me, personal, uh, stick around to the end of the podcast. But please listen through the podcast because it's a very good interview and a very good chat with my friend, TMZ employee, Showbooker, comedian, Alex Gatlin. Yeah, no, I'm hugely paranoid about who sends me Facebook friend requests. Well, I've been getting, you know what, I've been getting a lot of people, like people I don't know that were friend me, and I assume, because I hand out cards after yeah. shows all the time, and I'm like, oh, maybe there was someone from a show, and then I keep getting tagged in, like, spam, where it's like, there's like someone's like, oh, $15 Oakley sunglasses, and yeah. it's... Why is sunglasses the you, biggest spam a, on Facebook? I don't, I don't know. Get it. You've seen it. It's, it's a it's, it's sunglasses and um, Uber and Lyft. <laughs> I don't, yeah, yeah, that one too. The sunglasses for me more so. I'll accept almost anyone's friend request, but then I accept it and then I dig through to see if we have any mutual friends or and I look at their face. And I'm like, if they if I if it looks spammy, I'll bump it. But the thing is, like, I'm always telling people, yeah, add me on Facebook. I'll invite you to shows. And it's like an easy way to like you know. So it's kind of a catch twenty two because. I need strangers to friend me so I can bombard them with annoying, you know, invites and hopefully yeah. that one of them comes. But then I also accept these strangers that just send me spam. Yeah, well, see, mine is, and I don't really push anything now, but when mm-hmm. I was doing radio and I was pushing, and social media, and I was pushing social media hardcore, yeah. I, I tried to get people to follow me on Twitter. I did a little right. bit of Facebook, but I try to keep, still to this day, I keep Facebook to personal people, people who, I, who I've yeah. known or met. Even if I met them once, I'll accept it, or if it's an associated thing, especially when I was working in the nightclubs for the longest time. Yeah, yeah, I had to accept so many Facebook friend requests from people who worked at the clubs and went to the clubs. Right. And I was just like, oh, I don't want to associate like a, with you, but I gotta yeah, have to. And then to. it's like annoying if you don't even like really know or care about them. You have to like see their stupid updates about their kids or like yeah. their nieces. Like, I don't... Ugh. Yeah, if I get too many of those in a row, it starts pulling me away from reading other people's comments. But that's the other thing about social media. You have to be active. Dude, you know like, the worst, even with Facebook, you have you know to go the worst to thing people's about, things. You know what the worst about like social them. media is right now? The fucking Boston Comedians Facebook group. That, <laughs> thing, is, that thing is so insane. I don't, I don't, ever, I don't ever comment on it. But oh, also, I do when I feel like once throwing a, a firebomb or when I feel like hey just, man, I'll here's say, the thing and then I'm, I duck out. But everything I, every time I post, I post a comment, 
turn off notifications and then I just walk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, I mean, the thing recent, that recent one about the lingerie show was just like out of control. Like it was just, I don't think it was out of control. I think it was, I agree with what, 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 why the thread started. The whole, like, my whole point, really, that I wanted to make, and yeah, I agree with everybody, usually I'm not going to get into a soapbox and complain about it, because yeah. I'm not that kind of person, mm-hmm. um, generally. My friends are. I'll yeah. let them protest. Right. But for me, what makes me, ups- uh, like, what bothers me about that thing is exactly what I said, and it makes me feel awkward to go to. So, like, even if, uh, if I had a good, trusted friend who, a close friend who was on that show, okay, and she yeah. was like, hey, can, can you just come and... Like yeah, the, I didn't even mean yeah. The show's super weird. I didn't mean that. I guess I'll preface this: I don't really know Ken at all. Yeah. I met him briefly. I've seen him do comedy, but I don't really I don't know anything about him. Um, but the persona I, that I see comes off very like aggressive. It's just sort of it. It just make you know what it is. It's like I don't know him at all, so I wouldn't really try and judge someone. But it, not knowing him, the only impression I have is this guy's a fucking douche. Like it just comes off being like. It, 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 I get the intention to be like, everyone should look at this show and think that, like, we could do better, which I get that. But it, it was almost like I was saying, like, hey, Phoebe and Krista, you guys are fucking whores for doing this show. because And it just, that's how it came off. I don't I, mean, I don't think that was intended, but it's like, dude, that's, like, not cool, man. Like, you can't just, like, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, the two of them know Ken really well, and Ken knows the two of them really well. Yeah. Um, and he specifically said it has nothing to do with them because they don't. They are better than this show. And they should. They, they, I don't know. Like yeah, he, I he guess did preface so. that, uh, and a lot of people still perceived it that way. Right. Which I can get. Uh, I even see that angle. But I specifically saw him saying this is nothing about them, and they're they're. I'm not saying anything bad about them. And if they want to do it, that, uh, well, I don't think. If it, yeah. He was like, they, they're sure. better than doing this show. Right. He was mostly making. Uh, um, attacking the two people who created the show and the concept of the show itself. I get that. Um, I just... Uh, my thing is like... I don't know. I think it's just very... It just isn't... Like, who benefits from... It It just puts those two girls in an awkward position and I don't think any... Like, it's... It just... I don't know. What I, it just kind of frustrated me because it seems like it's very easy for... Like, Ken is clearly much more successful in comedy than those two girls. So, it's sort of easy to be like higher up on the food chain, look down and be like, oh, you shouldn't do this trash. And it's like, well, maybe they need to. Like, maybe they need that stage time. Maybe they need that money. Maybe they, like, it's not, and I get, I do get the whole lingerie thing is kind of like a, like, I, I do think it's weird whoever's going to pay that money to see that show. That's yeah. a weird premise. And it's really, let's go to the price on it because a lot of people brought up the price. $40 for the show. It's 29 to 39 that's about the same price as most of their shows. I think I, they have. I, a, th- I think that is the same price as most of their shows. Most of their shows is depending on the night of the week, uh, and I know this because obviously I look at their site all yeah, the time right, for stuff. Right. Um, Wednesday, and th- Wednesday and Thursday shows are twenty bucks. If it's a headliner who's there Thursday, Friday, Saturday, it's twenty to thirty, and that thirty dollars is the front seat. Right. Twenty is the back half. But of the I room. think I've seen. And then twenty five, thirty five for Fridays and Saturdays. But they also have like Sunday shows that are t- usually twenty bucks. Um, or they'll have somebody special, like, uh, they have uh, the guy who, who used to be on the Chappelle show coming, doing a one-time show, his first time in Boston. Darnell Rollins, yeah. And that's I think like that's a, 40 bucks that, Yeah, as well. but that's a charity show that Chase oh, is, is producing, okay. yeah. Um, but they, I have, anyway, regardless. Yeah. Wait, so do you think, okay, because so you're, so with our Boston, you're on the pulse of all the shows in, in, this, in New England, mostly Boston. Do you think there's a problem with these, for the gimmick shows popping up? That seemed to be a big thing on the thread. That people were like, "There's too many gimmick shows. It's it's hurting the scene." Well, in my opinion, gimmick shows are good and bad. It depends on how it's approached. My opinion on this: the gimmick is not as good as the the gimmick outshines the comedy. 
with, with the, the laundry. Yeah, show. I agree with that. And that's kind of the problem, right. in my opinion. And that's why I agreed with, that this is a bad show. Um, but a gimmick is just any type of trick right. that gets people to come to a thing. Yeah, I mean... So it's a hook. So gimmicks can be good or bad depending on how it is. Like, uh, I know we've talked about promoting and handing out flyers. One of my gimmicks when handing out a flyer is before somebody walks away, hey, thank you for not littering. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's they, my they gimmick, that's it, my right. trick. And it, 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 all that is is to trick them into going, all right, maybe I should go to the show. Yeah, This yeah. guy made me laugh, whatever. It works. That's a gimmick. You gotta have that. Yeah, anyway. You know, or, you know, a, a, it's different than a theme. Like, a, a comedy show is a theme. It's a show that's about comedy. Right. That's a theme. A sketch show, the theme is sketch comedy. Yeah. That's not the gimmick. The gimmick is half price tickets mm-hmm. you know buy, uh, buy tickets in advance yeah. and they're half price or two dollars off or whatever that's a gimmick it's not a bad gimmick all that gimmick does is trick you into going oh well if it's cheaper now then I should just buy the tickets now and go so if the gimmick outweighs what the show is then it's a bad gimmick I guess gimmick, that's true in my opinion have you seen the new studio studio shows no I have not yet yeah I I don't dig it. I mean, it, listen, it's not my scene to begin with. It's, you know, but I just, I, I saw one and I, it looked like the crowd didn't know. The crowd wasn't in on what was happening. Like, they seemed confused. Yeah, I know they're doing a very weird alternative show. Yeah. Uh, I know what the, the thought is behind it. Even when they, as soon as they posted about it, uh, at, right after they announced Comics and Resonance, mm-hmm. they posted, they started the accounts and started, and I was like, oh, it looks like they're going back to doing a completely very um, alternative Thursday show, which is what Thursday used to be before. It was a very, it was a different oh, was, rotating. Oh, okay. uh, in 2014, I mean, all, all for, up, to, yeah. up to 2015, it was a rotating alternative shows. They're kind of going back to that. And that's great. And that's awesome. No. Sometimes I don't get alternative comedy. There's certain people well, I do get. Dude, like, I'm a hundred percent about taking risks and trying new weird yeah. stuff. We should work as comics. Why would you not? That's the whole point. But I just, I, I saw one and it looked like the crowd went expecting a regular show. And then they were just like, what? Like they just looked confused. Like what is happening? Yeah, sometimes that's unfortunately going to happen. It depends on the audience that comes in there. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard they've been having some pretty good success, and they're starting to build a repeat clientele. Yeah. It's going to take time. Anytime you're doing something different and weird, it's going to there's going to be a, a few moments of people trying to figure it, what it, what it is out. It's like I love Mark Gallagher. Right. His character is like there's two parts of uh, hilarity with Mark Gallagher for me. Uh, have you seen? Mm-mm. Okay, Mark Gallagher's local comedians, North Shore. He does character familiar. stuff okay. like Tommy Falco and. Um, I sound, I know the name. Um, anyway, so he does these weird alternative characters, and the two parts that's funny is one watching his absurdist uh, Tommy Jenkins or Eric Jenkins. That's the other one. Two eyes, one of them silent. You choose. I love that joke. That's but uh, he does this weird character, which is great, and he's committed to it, and that's fantastic, and that's what I love. The second part is watching the audience figure out what's going on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He makes people introduce him as the character. Sure. Uh, the one character that he has, Eric Jenkins, he's supposed to be like a teenage kid, and they're like, all right, look, uh, the person who allowed us to, to use the space said on one condition that we put his nephew on the show, here he is, right. 16-year-old Eric Jenkins, or Chunkins, or whatever it is. And he does it, and people are like, wait, is he a real kid? Is he... Is yeah. he really this weird? And it's fucking hilarious to watch him just blow people's mind and sure. then just be weirdly absurd. Yeah, yeah. Um, And he's not even that far into it. It's not right. like he's smacking himself in the face with pies or whatever. Yeah. Like my uh, like Michael Atkins, who is, again, a great, weird alternative. I, got, I don't know these guys. Look him up. He's part of the Hadron Gospel Hour no. podcast. No? Okay. 
figure you come across those guys. Uh, Kevin I'll have to look it up. Wentworth. Yeah, no, it's a very... They won the uh, Stringy Awards last, last oh, year. Oh, yeah. Uh, so it's a locally produced You're not, podcast. See, I'm not on the pulse in that stuff. I got to get more caught up. I'm too... I don't do anything at work. That's... <laughs> yeah. You still... Ra- you work in radio? Yeah. Yeah. I'm still doing my job. You get up at like 3 a.m., right? 4. Jesus Christ, dude. Yeah. Especially since most of the time I'm going to bed at 3 a.m. So you sleep for an hour? So not all the time. Usually I get about... If I, uh, How do you... That's not My possible. average... Average night of sleep is anywhere between five and three hours. Five and two hours. Five you, and three. How, five do you, and three. how do you function? My body doesn't know how to function any different. Like tonight, last night, tonight, today's a Saturday. Got home Friday. I was, uh, I came home, watched TV till about midnight, maybe. Mm-hmm. Fell asleep. Woke up at six a.m. Because you still you're out at shows and mics, so yeah. I'm not out as much as I used to be either. So. Yeah, you haven't seen you around as much. Uh, I've just been slowly. Not doing it. It's not going out as much. Uh, that'll pick up when the weather gets warm. It's a hustle, yeah. man. It is. You got to hustle in comedy. You know that. Yeah, it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. Well, you've hustled in two different cities at least. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Because yeah, you yeah. started. Did you start comedy in L.A.? Kind of. Start is a loose term. No, I did. I definitely did. I um, I did a lot of sketch and improv first. I did like that's the a whole... lot of people's, especially nowadays. That's a mm-hmm. lot of people's in. I've always loved stand up, but I didn't really have the confidence to go for it for a while. So I did. I did Second City. I did their whole training program. That was great. And I did the first time I ever did stand up. I know it was in October of 2012, and I don't remember the exact date, but I remember it was a spot called the Amsterdam Cafe, this little hookah bar in North Hollywood. And I ate shit. Of course I did. Like I didn't. You know what I mean? And I didn't do another one for like months. And you know, so I would like do a mic here, a mic there, but it was like you know, you think the Sporadic. mic scene. You think the mic scene's bad here. I mean, if you're nobody in LA, you'll go to mics and it's a lottery for a three minute spot, and you might not even get up. Like, you know, so, but then when I knew I was moving out here, I got really focused in like two and a half months before I came to Boston. It's like, I want to step my shit up and make sure when I go to Boston, I'm like really on it. And then, so there was kind of like the very tail end of me being in LA got me hustling. And then I came here and and so, yeah, and I'm I'm going back to LA full time in September. Oh, really? Yeah. I knew you were eventually going to move back there, but didn't you move here to Boston for your girlfriend? (laughs) Yeah. Well, we're not together anymore. What? Yeah. When did that happen? Mm. Oh my God. That's that's like like half the audience of your shows. (laughs) No. Yeah, it was. I've expanded beyond that, but it was. No, I'm kidding. No, her and her friends were great. Like two months ago, it wasn't a bad breakup. I mean, every breakup is bad, but it was amicable. It's just like our lives are going different places. You know, I want to go back to LA. She wants to stay here. Comedy is a, huff, a tough life to have a relationship, man. I'm out yeah. six, seven nights a week, you know? Yeah. So Especially now you're, what, producing four shows a week? Three. Or help promoting and producing four sh- three shows a week? Three a week, two, and then another two that happen monthly. So there's City Side every Monday, Limelight every Wednesday, Hide Art every Friday through the end of April, and then the bar wants live music in the summer on the weekend, so we're doing Sundays, May through September. And then once a month at Good Life Bar downtown, and now once a month, or once every, like, six weeks, um, gong show at Laugh Boston. Yeah. Or we have our second gong show. Hopefully, you know, it goes well. Keep it going. We'll see. But the thing is, I'm also the kind of person where, like, I, I actually do get enjoyment from producing shows. Some comics I don't think find, they don't they don't like the work. I don't mind it. I actually take a lot of pride in it. Yeah. I have fun with it. Uh, and also, I, I, I'm a whore for stage time. And what's the best way to get yourself stage time is make your own stage. Yeah. You know, and that was one of the first things I wanted to do was like a show like Cityside. You know, I booked somebody who's way uh, more established and more talented than me, like a Noonan or a, or a McConey or a Lamont, whoever. They're the headliner. The show is not about me. The show is about them headlining. But I get to host or get my 10 minutes guest spot. I get a crowd. And it's like gives me, you know, my gym session. So that, you know, when I when I slowly get better and better, and then in a couple of years, I'm ready to start having, like, title fights. You know what I mean? You know? Yeah, yeah. 
Well, no, it's, it's a good thing because I've always told people that when you start comedy, open mics is definitely the place to start going and you yep. keep doing them. But at some point, you have to graduate from open mics to real shows and you're never going to progress more until you're on that you have to that, that line, dude. Last, so you because yeah. uh, with open mics, you're not going to get a lot of audience members, and you're never going to get true reactions. You you only get true reactions on good good shows. So then you 100%. have to get your way on the good shows. So so this is the way you for you you've graduated yeah. into, and you're working out more in front of audiences, so you're getting better reactions. I mean, I still and, do mics for like really new bits. I yeah. go to like Midway a lot. Uh, oh yeah, you should never uh, <laughs> never. In my opinion, you should never try untested right. material. I'll do untested tags on a joke. Oh yeah, or like a but a whole new concept never. That's yeah. so like. Unless it's like a show that really doesn't matter, you know. Yeah. It's like, um, there, there are those as well, as well, yeah. But I'm very much of the mindset of you that like, because I never had any confidence on stage until I started to get a few spots in front of a real crowd and got real laughs. So like, we're doing in April. We have an eight and a ten o'clock at the hideout now. So I did a lightning round last night and I put up ten comics. A lot of them are like basically open micers, but yeah. I wanted them to have like their two minute, three minute spot in front of a crowd. They got a chance at least on a Friday night get their one or two jokes. You know, some didn't do so great. Some actually like got some decent laughs. So you've been in the how long have you been in the Boston scene? Been here three years. Okay, so do you feel like there's been a wave the past year, year and a half of like a lot of new shows cropping up? Yeah, but that's also I mean, new shows I think in any market is cylindrical. So they, they come in waves. Cyclical, yes. Thank you. Sometimes I have troubles with words. Yeah, no, me, <laughs> words dude, and sentences are hard. Me too, man. Uh, but I think it's there's always a wave because even since I moved here, there's different shows happening now than when I moved here and there were shows that were repeating I think it's very rare uh, and I think most people agree with me it's very rare to watch any show open mic or regular book show go for an extended period of time like look at Mendoza Line Mendoza Line's been going for two years now at least they've had like eight hosts in two years you know the only other than like you know the studio and and Nick's those are like separate entities well those are clubs yeah yeah the only show I know of that's like been going for a long time, I don't know if I'd even, I mean, it's like, I use the show, word show very liberally with this, is the Green Dragon. That's been going on forever, right? Yeah, it's an open mic, and that's because Jessica has that dedication to keep going. Yeah. Not everybody is has it, that dedication. Is it a mic? Well, and it's, that's why these things fall through. For, it's it's, for better or it's in or between Mike and Sean. I haven't been there in forever. Um, well, she does a pre, she does a pre-booked open mic. Right, and then, yeah, yeah. So, it's an open mic. She's sweet. She books I, the I never see her anywhere other than there. Well, she does, from what I understand, a lot of corporate gigs. Oh, really? Oh, that's where the money is. Yeah, because I barely, run, uh, I barely run across her. I've seen her host at Nick's once in a while. She's nice, but um, I just, yeah, it's like, I just see someone I don't see out in the scene much. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I guess all the shows that I'm thinking about that happen now are fairly new. Sean Carter's stuff's fairly new. All my stuff's new, obviously. Pam's show, House of Blues, Strange Behavior was new. I mean, I mean, it's it's, but that's about to be done, right? Uh, well, yeah, he's he's doing the last one here because he's going to focus on producing right. the weekly show in New York. I don't blame him, uh, and it's a lot of work for him coming out here. Sure, which, um, which I, I don't blame him for. Also, like he's now at the level where Don he doesn't need that. Like he's above. It's not like his, he's not going to further his career any, anymore by doing strange behavior. I would imagine. I don't know, but I'm just thinking if he's really made so already have the momentum in New York, it almost might hinder him to keep coming back here to like take time away from New York. Uh, I don't know. I, what I see is most comedians who are from Boston that move to New York end up still coming back here frequently because it's harder to headline in New York than it is here. So right. when you're in but, New York and you're building back, it, you can headline here and go back, and it's an easy right. transition. But coming back just Travel. for a book spot is different than coming back to produce a show. Yeah. It's way more work. Okay, Boston headliners, meaning people that are based here now, so you can't include like Sam Jay and Donnie and those guys. Boston headliners, who would be your top five, you'd say? Uh, top five as in best? Yeah, like who, like just, you know, 
all around people you enjoy watching the most, you think work the crowds the best, you're you find most impressive, just whatever. Like people that you say when you watch me, like is this research for who you can book on your shows? No, I'll (laughs) I'll tell you my five first if you want. No, it's fine. Yeah, let me tell you my five. Yeah, why not? In no particular order, I would say my five. I got enough shit. I got to think about it for a minute. Well, I take three right out of the gate. Like, well, let's go back and forth. One of them, uh, uh, one of my who's definitely in my top five of my favorites, personal favorites that I enjoy seeing is Ken Reed. I like his podcast. Him and I get along. So a, I like seeing him as sure. as as a friend. But two, I love his narrative style. Yeah. Uh, because it's very similar to I think what I'm trying to do. Mm-hmm. So watching somebody go up there and do a narrative storytelling esque uh, comedy show, I think, or uh, stand up set, beneficial for me, and I enjoy it. And people, I see people react well to it. Right. Yeah, I don't really know his act at all. I just haven't. I've seen it. I yeah. don't remember it. I've seen it in a while. Well, I guess for me, it's a combination of, especially as I book a lot of stuff, it's a combination of how funny they are on stage, how good they are working a tough crowd, and how much I enjoy just hanging out with them, interacting with them. Uh, for sure, one of the top, for sure, Noonan. Okay, down. yeah, no. Because uh, he not only is, I, I find him to be very funny. Yeah. But he's also like a guy that I like being around. You yeah. know what I mean? Like some some guys, funny, but you don't really have, a, which is, you know, I'm, I don't book people to be their friend. I book them to do get laughs on my stages yeah but he's like a nice for me it's like i like he's like he's a fun dude to be around and he's i have yet to have a show that he's been on of mine that he did poorly yeah i mean every, yeah i i've done mics and on the net shows with him where he's performed and he always does well yeah, yeah. And it's nice to watch him work at a mic and try and just yeah, draw yeah. like when he's trying the new stuff you draw the laugh out and he'll keep he'll keep walking through it mm-hmm. even in a in a in a not tough room but a dead yeah. room He'll draw some things out of it. He'll keep working it, keep pulling those strings until something works on it. Uh, So, no, yeah, Will Noon is a great, great pick for that list. Uh, I enjoy him as well. Um, I would say Al Park because he's doing really well right now. Yeah, Al's great, man. Yeah, he just slips in all those jokes. Mm -hmm. Uh, He does a great turn. That natural delivery um, to where he's talking and then he hits you with that whatever that turn's going to be. And that drives me crazy with comedy when I watch somebody whose who's turns right. and their punchlines are obvious. Yeah. Uh, and when I can see I them coming. You, see the, you know the moves, me. right? Yeah. Like, I'm so sick of joke format. Yeah. Just watching, here. here's a, th- you know, one, two, and the weird thing. You know, oh, roll right. threes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, or it's like, oh, I had this, ex- here's this thing I'm talking about that you have an explanation of and I'm doing the opposite. Yeah, that's, ugh, I hate that shit. It's, yeah, it, I hate it. Unless I don't see it coming, which there's that format is and you're always saying Al's there. Al's really jokes. good at that. Al's really good at making it natural and doesn't. Yeah. He doesn't show his hand when a joke's coming. Yeah, I um. Sometimes yeah, like, like I love Kelly. Kelly McFarland has like a great one-liner or not. A, it's like a joke that she uses, and I I I don't think it's obvious, but it's like a great like simple like. And she walks out on stage. You might have seen her. She like holds up her engagement ring. Yeah, it's like, I've got good one, news. Yeah. Grandma died, yeah. and it's, I fucking love those kind of jokes because it gets a big laugh. But then a few like, Ugh. and then we she was at City Side a while ago, and she did great. But she was testing out some new stuff, which is like that's a room we tell headliners like this is a Monday show, like do your good stuff, but then also like have fun, do whatever. And I just liked how 
like she did some new stuff and then it got like a tepid reaction she's like oh you think they're all fucking like a material it's monday guys all right well you're just gonna get all the home runs on a free show like i just yeah. love like i don't know like I, I like that when the headliner has the balls to or anybody but like it's, it's better for a headliner like someone who's established to have the balls to like tell a crowd like you know just call it out be like it's monday it's a fucking free show all right you're yeah, not gonna you get want. all the a material yeah right, b yeah. crowds get b b material yeah but some people i see get very they they don't know i i like when i like when i see somebody address that and you know uh, i don't know i just I, okay so that's my second one kelly mcfarland kelly's great no I, I i don't really know her personally but i've worked with her she's always very sweet and i just she's funny she's that's okay this is i'm gonna pause that because this is something i'm struggling with all right mm-hmm. I really try to book diverse lineups on my shows. And one thing is... Because you kind of have to in this day and age, unfortunately. I'm not saying unfortunate as you should not have diverse lineups. Right. But you have to be more mindful towards it. Well, not even like I'm so progressive. Just like to appeal to mass audiences, you need a little bit of everything. And it's really tough to keep finding women. Like people are always like, why aren't there more girls in your... Like, so last night I had Trisha Ald in the first show and Ellery Smith in the second show. And they both did short sets and they did well. But it's like there aren't... People are always like, why are there not more like audience members? I was like, where are all the ladies? Why aren't you have more girls in your show? And it's like, I tell you, like, there aren't that many female comics. Like, for every, like, 15 dudes, there's, there's like, one, one woman. Yeah. And for every one female comic, or for every, like, 10 female comics, one of them might be good. Or, one, or like, two might be, like, okay, you know? Well, I'll say this. My experience with it is I feel like there's so many great female... Well, Not in this city. There's so many really good... Great has a never, different uh, uh, connotation in other people's mind, but so I'll say really good just to please everybody. But I think, I think there's a lot of really good female comics here in Boston, but I'm used to Baltimore where there's not very many. No, and the I ones think, that are aren't very good. There's dude, two or three maybe that I know who are home run hitters, but for the most part, there's not that many. Like uh, Krista Weiss's Broad Appeal show probably has more female comics on that show than there is in all of Baltimore comedy before I right. left. But I've just found that, like, even... Well, okay, so, like, for me, like, Sam J is one of, one of the best comics today. Not even just female comics or Boston comics. Comics. People were... Absolutely, like, yeah. Phenomenal. Phenomenal. But she, she left, as she should have. Like, why would she stay here? Yeah. I just don't think... When, when I think for a lot of females, any headliner, but especially women, if the heat is on them, they 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 got something going, they got a bet. Like, Emma Wilman, she's not around Boston that much anymore. She's in New York, right? Yeah. She's been in New York since I've moved here. Yeah. So she's, she's, she's great, too. she's been in New York for at least three, uh, for more than three years. I guess maybe also my, maybe my tastes of what I like on stage don't always line up with some of the females in Boston, their style. But it's just like a struggle because... It's just like boring. Unless I'm saying this as a white male, but it's like boring to see white male after white male after white. It's yeah. just not that. It, you know. You know what I mean? Like this is not, especially on a showcase. You know, if it's a, if it's like a headliner feature host, it's not the you know whatever. Yeah. But you you're know, you're only seeing three comedians or four at most, right? As opposed to six to eight. Yeah, and it's you know also I realized last night how this like, it's so important that you have a little bit of everything because I was hanging out with people after the show like audience members. I'm always chatting with them, thanking them coming out, and as you should. Yeah, of course. Uh, well, it's just network. It's promoting, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm promoting the next show to the crowd that was there. But then, like, this group of girls was telling me how much they liked seeing the two females. They, they were like, they stayed for the 8 and the 10 o'clock show. And they Did you l- cut them a deal on the 10 o'clock show? Yeah, I told everybody that they go to the 8, they stay for free for the 10. Good idea. Yeah, of course, because... Because you want that audience there. Absolutely. And the 10 was a little bit crazier, it was a little dirtier, a little more drunk, and just, it's like kind of a, you know, mishmash. It was fun. I loved it. Um... But yeah, it's just sort of like it just I already knew this, but like it's a reminder like women or anybody wants to see but especially like 
you want to see what you relate to more. If there's yeah. a bunch of women in the audience, they want to see at least a couple women share their opinions. They don't want to see a bunch of just dude after dude talking about their dick and porn. Yeah. As funny as the jokes might be. You can only take so much of it. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. That's been so You that, can only hear so many dick jokes before you just realize, all right, we get it. I just feel like I think that the thing is just there's – in general, there's just so fewer women in comedy. Oh, absolutely. 100%. Yeah. But I don't know if it's bec- – I don't think like women are just – are like per- – like uh, uh, discriminated against. Maybe they are, but I don't know. It just they are discriminated against. But there's also other factors that go in that we can never understand. Like women don't feel comfortable doing comedy. They've never been encouraged to do comedy I, yeah, and I stuff think, like that. I think I've me- had female comics on here, and we've talked about that. Like one I've had on the show, she talked about. It's like I've never seen. She related more to a male comedian growing up than she did any any female comedian because she never saw any female comedians until she was yeah. in college. Now, for me, that sounds weird because I've I've said this a hundred times. Sure, there was a point in my life where I wanted to grow up to be Lucille Ball. Really? Like, yeah. Wait, what? I never. Well, not physically, but oh, I, yeah. I, know I wanted saying. to. That's do, just funny. Yeah, I, you know. I grew up watching I Love Lucy, sure. and I loved do, uh, seeing her jokes, and it yeah, never yeah, yeah. occurred to me that her jokes were female jokes. It just occurred, you know, Rita Redner and all those people. I get now why certain women say I didn't see very many female comedians, but at the same time, like. But I saw a ton growing up. Joan Rivers, Lucille Ball, Gilda Radner, Jane yeah. Curtin on SNL. Like those are some of my favorite sure. people in addition to John Belushi. I think when we grow up as kids, it's just the social behaviors. Men are rewarded for having more comedic behavior and women are like like guys play pranks on each other. Yeah. Bust each other's balls. It's like rough house. You know, boys being boys. Whereas like girls are supposed to be ladylike. Yeah. And it's just... And I think what's well, so that patriarchy stuff that everyone's fighting against? But that's a right shame now. because there's like like I think like just in Boston like Raskowski and McFarland are like two of the funniest comics in the city. And Emily, uh, hands down, 100%. they're the only but the only female headliners I can think of that are Boston based. Well, Emily's not a headliner, but she, uh, she not maybe, yet, not yet. Maybe she's like one step in, one step, like like kind of like transitioning into that. Yeah, phase. she will be very soon. I wouldn't consider her a headliner. When I yet. say headliner, I mean I've seen her headline like. Like my shows and Pam Ross's yeah. shows, like it's like see that's not a headliner the, to me. Well, like in the it's like getting into the window. You know what I mean? Like it's transitioning. Yeah, right. They're they're more than a feature, but not quite a headliner yet. Sure. Yes. Um, Kelly's hundred percent a headliner, and she's yeah. great, especially with how she can say the word, the meanest thing in the world, with a smile, love it, yeah. and get everybody behind her on it. Whereas me, a bald-headed white man saying terrible stuff, it's like you're a racist. Does that happen to you a lot? People talk, you call you a racist on stage? No, nobody's ever oh, okay. called me a racist on stage. Off stage? <laughs> no. Well, what's the worst heckle you've ever had? Uh, I had one guy. I was in an open mic at, uh, very recently. And I don't know. Uh, I, I don't get very many hecklers because yeah. I'm, I'm very overpowering and I don't. Sure. Pay attention to them. Um, so I just steamroll over them. But the uh, worst heckle I got was at an open mic and was a guy, I guess, saw me the week before, so I was still working on something. Yeah, yeah. So he's just like, oh, you did this last week. Did it in a mic? Uh, Fuck that guy. Well, it was a mixed open mic. He was a musician. Uh, okay. Um, and it was like the second week I had been at this open yeah. mic. Um, so I engaged him and I, you know, I was saying things. And I was like, you know, sorry, we're, we're, I'm working on this, but whatever. He's like... I said something, he goes, oh, wrap it up. And then my response immediately was just, Fuck apparently whatever it was, I wish your parents wrapped it up so you weren't here. Yeah, that's good. And then the room just, he shut he at shut him down, his his buddies ragged on him, everyone laughed, and I did a couple more jokes. I was working on something new, and I was like, I've lost the momentum on that. Let me hit it with a with a with something I know is going to get a laugh, and then I got right off. Because I only had five minutes. I literally ended it in four, because I was a minute sure. into it. He, he he started heckling. I shut him down within a minute. 
did a minute and a half bit, said thank you, and then left. Dude, Tyler and Andre went to the, uh, see Rogan at the Wilbur last night, and they said this woman was heckling so bad, the entire crowd started booing her, and security had to escort her out of the theater. That's... I've, I feel like somebody else had told me that happened at the Wilbur recently. Rogan posted a thing about it today oh, on, on his Facebook, and he was like, Boston, I love you crazy fucks, even that lady who was heckling me. And oh, like, nice. To hear it in a Boston accent from some drunk, where it was like... Because he grew up here. Yeah. Like, so he like, was like reminiscent. Um, I don't know. It's always a weird mentality somebody who like can't control themselves needs to shout from the darkness and then well some people think they're participating some people are helping some people need that need some people are just drunk and they're idiots it all depends like most of the most heckles that we get as comedians 90% of the hecklers we get are drunk people who are talking out loud to themselves yeah there's that 10% of people who are fuck you or you know right whatever they're yelling at you like you say something and then they no, that's not how that is. Or whatever. I don't know why I'm making it sound predominantly female, but it's not. I think... There's, I, there's no, no. 10% of the am worst I, hecklers. In my experience, and I'm not saying a lot of women heckle, but I think when it comes to hecklers, more of them are women than men. And I have a theory on why. This is my theory. Oh, I'd love to hear this theory. Go ahead. And I'm going to preface by saying it's not that women heckle a lot. It's just of the hecklers, that pe- of the people that do it, more women. Uh, when you go to a comedy show, typically, uh, usually the people on stage are m- males. Mm-hmm. A lot of them are comedians. They're not necessarily like the handsome, cool types or maybe like kind of nerdy looking or just average Joe types or whatever. And, uh, you know. Yeah, because if we were handsome, we wouldn't need to get right. laughs. Exactly. Um, and also, uh, when you go out to a comedy show, for a patron, usually like on a weekend show or whatever, it's like it's your night out. So you're getting dressed up, you're going to look good. So there's some people, some women, Men, too, who like to go get all dressed up, and they're used to getting attention. They're used to being in a bar or a club. People are mm-hmm. staring at them, flirting with them. They're getting the attention for the night. When you go to a comedy show, though, you're just a you know regular asshole in the crowd. Nobody's paying attention to you. They're all laughing at this guy on stage who normally you would look at this person and be like, oh, he's the kind of guy that I would get to buy me a drink or like whatever. And so, yeah. and then if you have that kind of thing in your head, I've seen this happen before. You know, they get kind of upset. It's like, wait a minute. Like, why? I should be getting the attention. I'm the hot one here. I put my heels on and my hair. Nah, nah, nah. And then they just like blurt out something. Like I was at a show with the haha in LA and uh, some guy was doing some joke about uh, Adderall or something and some ladies goes like oh that's that white people shit I don't know what she was something I don't know what her ethnicity was uh, I, I guess not white based on how yeah. she was you know but she could any literally she wasn't black or Caucasian but something some whatever Mix. of anything yeah. I don't know she's it like, was something other than okay. right she's like that's that white people shit and then he was just like what what are you talking about she's like all that shit like Adderall that's the white people drugs and then the whole crowd's like what is happening right now and she mm-hmm. just like wanted to sh- say something and then the, the comedian like I don't know what happened finally it got so bad that they had to boot her out of the show because she just kept blurting out. And I think it was – when I saw her stand up, she all done up, like hair extensions, heavy makeup, a pretty woman. But And it was just like – she just – it was – it just made me think like that's the kind of person. Or or like a dude, like a jock type bro that wants to show off. It's like those two types. He's like, yeah, dude, like you think you're fucking funny, but I'll beat your ass. It's like, yeah, yeah I You get think it. you're funny? I'll show you funny. Right. No, I, I, I see that and I – Kind of agree with you that that sometimes can be the person that is the person who's typically used to getting attention, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a pretty woman or a good-looking guy, which – and I think naturally we've fallen over those people. Yeah, of course. We're we're, we're naturally attracted to those people no matter what, whether we like it or not. If you're a good-looking person and if you're a good-looking person, people are going to be more interested in you, whether you are attracted 
to them personally or not, like guys to guys. If you right. see a good looking guy, you tend to hang around a good looking guy a little bit more than than uh, you would guys that look like you. You have that attraction toward them uh, in a non-sexual way. You're just I want to spectrum. No, it's like good looking guys. Yeah, of course. I, I that's one of my pet peeves when like some guys are like, oh, I don't. I don't judge if a dude's attractive. Like, what are you, insane? You can judge if a human is attractive, dude. Yeah. I don't hear that as much now as an adult. But, like, when I was in middle school and high school, guys were like, oh, man, I don't judge if a dude's handsome. What are you, stupid? Like, you have eyes. Well, we're also, in 2016, being more pansexual than we were 10 years ago. But I just, like, that's the epitome of, like, macho insecurity. Like, I don't Get over that shit, man. You know? Like, look, like, Tom Hardy is a fucking... I would suck his dick. I mean, not really, but, like, he is a gorgeous man. I can't agree with that because I don't know what Tom Hardy looked like, and I've seen six movies with him in it. Really? I've seen six movies with him in it, but I can never recognize him. He looks different in every single movie. I'm going to pull up a photo right now. I recently just watched The Revenant. You'll show me a photo, I'll go, oh, I've seen that guy. Oh, Would no, you show I'll, me a photo from another movie? Oh, no, I'll give you and a better example. And I was like, I, it doesn't look like the same guy. I'll, I'll give you a You know who's like fucking flawless looking is, um, I don't even know his acting at all, but I was like, Jesus Christ, man. Like, even I'm like, whoo, Joe Manganiello, do you know who that is? Uh, yes, from True Blood. Yeah. And he's also in the new Pee Wee movie. I mean, look at that guy. Come no, on. No, yeah. He's Give me a break, gorgeous. dude. Yeah. Like, yeah. Have you seen the new Pee Wee movie, by the way? There's a Pee Wee movie with, with... On Netflix. Is uh, uh, Paul Rubenstein in it? Uh, Paul Rubens, yeah. Rubens. No, oh. yeah, it's Pee Wee Herman. It's uh, I say Rubenstein. Uh, what's the name? Pee Wee's New Adventure or whatever. It's on Netflix. It premiered a couple Does weeks Netflix ago. Does Netflix just like rehash everything? It's like <laughs> whatever Fuller. works, man. Fuller I mean, House, ne- Pee Wee, whatever works for them, man. If they if, need to cool, well, not cool, but I feel like uh, if some, people weren't watching it, they want to be. No, that's a good it. point. I do feel like some of the Netflix specials that have come out have not been very good. Oh, the Netflix comedy specials? Some of them, yeah. Do you think that they're approaching people too early? I just think, well, I'll, I'll list a couple right now that I saw. So, like, I thought... You uh, think it's not good subjectively, or you think it wasn't well produced before you get into this list? I think that the specials that I've seen lately are not... The, the comedy isn't there. They're not... The performance isn't that great. How it's produced, I don't know the nuances of the, okay, you okay. know, but like like Hannibal Burris's latest special, subpar. He was just like his first one, I thought was excellent. His second one also very good. This latest one, pretty weak. He just looked like kind of like going through the motions, and this wasn't. Also, do you know Theo Vaughn? Yeah, his special was garbage. Was it? I I mean I couldn't get through it. And I met him. He's a nice dude. Like, cool. Yeah, you he know. recently did laugh. And I think, doesn't he also date another comedian, Jessamay Maybe, blah, 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 but and he's all over L.A. And he, like, I don't, yeah. you know, listen, I mean, he'll never listen to this. I'm nobody in his world. But I just. Thanks for saying that I'm also a nobody with a podcast. Continue. <laughs> Dennis, listen. No, no just, I know. No. I know. He's never going to listen to this. I don't know, until I send him 17 copies. But I just, <laughs> I was watching it. I was like, hey. I don't know. Or I'll give you another example, right? I'm kidding. No, say what you want about Theo Vaughn. I'm not gonna... <laughs> no, no, no. I'll give you a better example. Like like when Brett Morin did the headlining set at Laugh Boston. Mm-hmm. That was great. I loved it. I, I watched the whole thing. Yeah, was... I think he's coming back next month. Yeah, it was awesome. But when I watched the special, it just wasn't connecting quite the same way. And maybe that's on me. Maybe because I saw it live, that my expectations were too high for that particular one. And it didn't quite hit the same way. But some of them I've just seen, I'm just like, I don't know. It's not... You know, anyway... But, uh, uh, yeah, I don't watch as much comedy. Yeah, as we talked I, about as that. I you don't watch a ton of comedy, right? Uh, I mean, I watch a ton of comedy. I don't watch a ton, ton of comedy specials, especially when they're new. If I put, if I watch a comedy special, usually I'm putting it on before I fall asleep, and I'll fall asleep watching it, unless there's a specific reason. Like when I saw Eliza's new one, Freezing Hot, 
Uh, I, I like it. A lot of comics love that. Oh, well, a lot of her. A lot of comics think she's a hack. Especially in Boston, a lot of people say she's such a hack. But I like Eliza. I think she's funny. I think she's very funny. But a lot of I, people... I don't think she's a hack. I could see why some people would say that. But then there's also... You have to balance with them saying that in addition to... It's a woman who's successful, which... I don't know if it's that as much. Hey, you know who had a fucking home run special was Mulaney. That, the... the um, What was the newest one? Uh, I forget the name of it. But the one he did at the Chicago Theater. Okay. Have you seen it? Do you like Mulaney? Are you Mulaney? Per- uh, I don't hate him. No, I enjoy him. I would definitely see him. I, I'm not going to rush out to see right. him. I wouldn't spend money on tickets, but I would definitely see him. Yeah, I've enjoyed his stuff. I've de- I know I saw his first one, uh, and I know I've heard a lot of his bits on like 24-7 comedy radio and stuff like that. Um, or, I never saw his TV show because it did not look good. And no, that, get good well, reviews. it doesn't always translate. Or like Burr's latest special... The black and one the, isn't the most recent one in black and white. Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was produced exclusively for Netflix. Amazing, amazing. Yeah. That bit about the guy with the fucking helicopter. Yeah, the, the helicopter. Oh my! And that's when we're like, I didn't see it coming. He's one of the guys in my top. When I watch a guy like him, I think like, well, I, uh, why am I even doing this? I'll never be this good. I'll never be that good. I mean, maybe one day, but but I just and it took him a long time. I mean, he's he's over twenty years in, so yeah. it's like you know. But I just uh, he's someone that. I've seen him like, gee. or you know, like dude. A, I had the same thing with David Cross the other night. I saw Cross. At the I gotta Wilbur. watch more of his stuff. I don't know a lot of his material. He, he, yeah, uh, I remember he had that big feud with Larry the Cable Guy. That was he? funny. Yeah, I remember that? They like had some big beef, and it, anyway, it was dumb. Uh, yeah, crosses, and I'll spoil this because uh, if people are gonna go see Cross and they're listening to this, I don't care. I'm gonna spoil this joke because it's fucking brilliant. It's so brilliant. It yeah, makes me want to quit comedy. Yeah, because yeah. I was like, I'll never write anything this smart. Right. Uh, and the joke was, and it's his last joke of the show. It's uh. I feel really bad, and it's a one-liner. He goes, I re- feel really bad for French soccer fans who go to see games in Spanish-speaking countries. Because every time a goal is scored, they're wondering why everyone is chanting, with milk, with milk, with milk, with milk, with milk. I don't get it. And this is the reason why it's brilliant, I guess. Um, at soccer games, when the, the, the song, ole, 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 oh, ole, that's... in French. Oh, it means with milk. Like a uh, I'm just, cafe, I'm just uh, cafe au lait oh, is a coffee it. with milk. It probably, it probably works in, when you see it live. Well, cafe au lait is Italian, but the the, word, the phrasing is still the same in French. Yeah. Um, but it's spelled differently. It's said differently. True. I think the joke is brilliant. I hope somebody who's listening to this laughs their ass off. And I hope uh, everyone at the, at the Wilbur, it was a very long laugh uh, when people realized it. And I definitely heard one or two people his audience his audience is probably in on it like they would get him he does have a little more smarter alternative yeah. nerdy audience so yeah they would probably get it um i fucking thought it was brilliant uh anyway i don't know i don't watch the the netflix is i think do you think the problem with the netflix specials being underwhelming is they're producing too many of them so they're getting too many comedians before the set's ready yes they're, they're making specials for comedians who quite aren't ready to have a hour-long special yet in my opinion i mean listen like who am i to say but yeah in your opinion I've, yeah or the best example to me was hannibal's hannibal had two home runs and a piece of shit in the third one rogan did that too that one listen i loved i loved rogan's most recent special i'm a big rogan other people don't like rogan i love rogan his most recent special that he did in colorado for comedy central was great the other two his early ones were awesome but one he did at the tabernacle theater terrible really awful is the one and he um, put it out on his own website. He didn't distribute him with, through like a network. Just the, it just was a shitty special. It just wasn't good. Like there, the, and I honestly, and I know people like you can never say anything bad about Louis, but Louis's most recent special that he did at the store, 
there were some good jokes, but some of them in there were just like, Ugh, what? Like, what? Did you watch it? Have you seen it? Uh, I, what was the one he released for five bucks on his website? That's like all of them. Is it uh, the one that made the waves that made everyone the one that made like a billion dollars? The th- first one that he released. Yeah, for five bucks. I think I forget exactly. Okay, I know I've seen that one. How many have been? There's only been one since then, right? He's only released two on his own. Four. Four? Well... Has it been four years since that one came out? So he had Live at the Beacon Theater. Yep. Seen that one. There was one after that, but I forgot the name of it. But there was one after that that was huge. And then there was Oh My God, which was was, was on HBO first, and then he got to put it out through his website like a year okay. later. Yeah, the one I'm talking about, uh, the one I, the most recent one I saw was the one, and I, I feel like it was only a year ago. Um, he released, and was like the first one of those... I'm releasing it for myself, five bucks. Was live, I think that was live at the Beacon Theater. Was it? I okay. think so. All right. Well, I don't know. I could. That's the other problem is I don't remember anyone's special Or maybe maybe names. there wasn't. Maybe it was just live at the Beacon Theater and then, oh my God, I don't remember. But the most but, recent one he did, he filmed at the store. And there were some jokes that were great. But a good chunk of it, I, like if it wasn't Louie, I was watching it and I was being like, if this wasn't Louie, I'd be like, this is garbage. Yeah. But I think, I don't know. Do you think it's a problem of they're not developing the jokes long enough before putting them on a special? Do you think if it took more time, a little bit more time of working them out, they would have been a little more solid? I don't know. It's hard to say, man, because like I don't even have close to the, the way to turn around jokes as fast as some of these guys. You know, like Car- I mean, Carlin was the one that really did the new hour every year, and I think people like Louis have tried to, yeah. you know, do that. Um, but some of the material on the special just wasn't. It just it just was the jokes weren't polished. Like they seemed kind of lazy. Like you had one. The closer, he did this bit about the Wizard of Oz, and it just wasn't that funny. It, it just was kind of like, I don't, you know what I mean? But then he had some other ones in the middle uh, that were. He had a nine eleven joke that was amazing. So it's kind of, you know, I don't know. Maybe and also maybe I've seen so much of Louis that part of his jokes now. I'm just like, oh, I've seen so much of the same guy. I've already heard this voice, so so I'm kind of over it. Maybe that's it. You could be right. I think there was a point when you get so successful, you kind of, and I'm not saying taking anything away from anything. Yeah. I will see this happen to some people. Seeing this happen where you kind of rest on your laurels and you're playing to your crowd, so you may not be up to the par of a killer that you used to be because now you have your audience who's already predisposed to like you and laugh at you, and they're already laughing at something that maybe if it was a at a scale of one to a hundred, if this typically was a forty. A 40 on that scale of laughter, it's now getting a 60 or 70 because your audience is already on board. Maybe yeah, that's but the problem. Then some guys like, look, but I like your point about you're already getting tired of their voice. Yeah, man. Well, also, like, I mean, some guys, this happened, it doesn't happen now like it used to, but like, you know, Eddie Murphy had two, like, of the greatest specials of all time, and he's like, I'm going to take a step away now. Like, I did that. I already got to the top of the mountain. I think it's so hard for somebody like Eddie Murphy to come back. I don't think we'll ever see Eddie Murphy no, doing stand-up ever again. I mean, may, or maybe he'll, like, drop into the cellar one night, like a secret thing. But No, that's the problem with, with social media. In my opinion, with social media the way it is, him dropping into a place, he can't try anything new Right. that's not 100%. Because if he's going to get, say he does 15 minutes. The first five minutes he's going to get because he's at Eddie Murphy from the crowd. So now from 5 to 10, he's got to hook them. If he lags from 5 to 10, what's everyone going to tweet? Oh, Eddie Murphy sucks. He should stay out of comedy. So if he does one bad performance, he's just going to get ripped apart. And that's the sad thing, I think, in this day and age. But Chris Rock does that. But Chris Rock has never stopped doing comedy. Yeah, I guess that's true. He never really went away from it. 
Yeah. He hasn't done a special, though, in like 10 years. Has he? I don't know. I'm, a, I'm pretty sure. I know he, I, I recently heard him talk about he goes out and does two-hour shows still. But yeah, he may not put out a special, but he's still constantly doing I'm looking doing, up when the, studio. because I remember he did a, I remember, I thought Bigger and Blacker and Never Scared were two of the funniest things I've ever seen. But then there was another one, I'm looking it up right now, that he did, and it was, um, like he filmed it in like three different cities across, like he did one in England, one in Brooklyn, and one in South Africa, and he like super cut them together, like in between bits. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I didn't think it was that good. I mean, I like the concept was cool, but the actual, the actual special itself was just. Yeah, this is, yeah. Okay, come on. Two thousand eight, kill Rock, uh, Chris Rock, kill the messenger, and that was the one I saw, and I was like, the jokes aren't that great, man. Like, and before that, the one before that would never scared was amazing, and then before that, bigger and blacker came out in ninety nine. That was like, whoo, that was funny, man. That was. Anyway. Well, as somebody who's producing and booking shows, would you rather book somebody to headline who's going to be doing material from, say, their special or uh, the hour CD they, they self-produce? Because you're not you're obviously not going to be booking Chris Rock anytime soon. But say if, uh, somebody who just released a comedy CD they just produced on their own. Would you rather them do that tried and true material? For that show that you booked them on, or would you rather see a mix or all new stuff or what? I think it depends on the show. It depends on two things. It depends on as a booker, right? As, I'm saying as a book. Yeah, uh, it depends on the show. Like, are the people coming to that show expecting? It? It's hard. To, it's hard to say. Um, I don't know, man. I'll give you. I'll, I will give you an example um, of like I went and saw Kurt Metzger recently. Mm-hmm. Love Kurt Metzger. It was like one of my favorites. And I wasn't involved in the show at all. I just went and watched it at Cabot Comedy Club. And he did a full hour and 40 minutes with stuff I had never seen before and 20 minutes with stuff I'd already seen him do on his Comedy Central special that came out like two years ago. Crowd didn't seem to mind. I do think there's a dangerous thing, though, if you if you already have your material out for the public to get access to and you just rehash it and you're not... Unless you're like really not a name, you know? Um, it's not, a, I want you to do news. I don't know. It's hard. I don't have a good answer to that. Well, let's say this Kelly. So you got Kelly on a show. She's right. going to do 45 minutes. Yeah. And she goes, uh, what do you think this crowd will like? Do you, do you, do you think they'll like if I do what I just released last year or that I know works? Should they do my act? Or do you think I can try some new stuff with them? What would you rather no, I think, that be? I think that. Well, I would tell Kelly or whoever, do do whatever you want. I mean, (laughs) no, seriously. But I think also, with all due respect to where she's at in her career, I don't think that many people are coming out knowing her material that well. Versus someone like, let's say it's like, like I'll tell you what, like when Brent Morin comes back to Laugh Boston, because I mean, he's bigger, obviously. I don't think he should redo many of his jokes from his Netflix special. I think people coming to see him, most of them have watched it probably recently. Yeah. Maybe a couple, maybe a few, but no, he should. If I was, if okay, that's the way. If I was the Booker at Laugh, and Brent came back and did the same material from the special, like fifty percent or more, even forty percent or more, I would be disappointed. But more importantly, though, I would just be, see how the if the crowd loved it, I wouldn't care. If the crowd, I, I I would say I would tell the comic, I trust your judgment. You know your audience. You know how to read your audience. So you do what you think is best. But. If they did that, they rehashed old stuff, and the crowd was disappointed. I would be pissed. Okay, so le- you you as a booker would leave it in their hands. You don't think you could 
you would guide people knowing your rooms because you're you're booking yeah. things not at clubs but at at bars. Yeah. I also, so there's a different difference in audience between right. bars and clubs. Yeah. I mean, bars you do whatever you want because mo- nobody, very few people, come into the bar show knowing who you are or like if they do. It's like someone you kind of already know from the scene. You know, like I like like I have people that come to my shows that are now my friends and I met them and we just like, but I'm not. I'm not a, like a like a touring comic. I'm just a local guy who does comedy, and they love coming to my shows. And now we're pals, you know. Um, so they know my jokes. So they don't, but they don't mind rehearing them because they're my friend. Like we, yeah. you know, what I mean, it's sort of fun for them because they see me kind of tinker with it. Well, they're coming to support you and to see the rest of the show, right? Um, I I don't think a booker should ever really tell a comic what to do unless it's like this. It needs to be a clean show yeah. or like that stuff. Sure, but I I don't know. I don't think a booker should be telling a comedian. I don't want you to rehash that. I don't. You know what I mean? I think you should. You hire the artist. Let them do their art. You know, it, I wouldn't want a comic. I mean, unless it was like, hey, no cursing or something. Other than that, I wouldn't want a booker to tell me you can and can't do that because in the moment, I might decide like there's something that's happened in the audience and it's a great way for me to segue in a bit that I know is going to kill, you know? Yeah, no, I get you. No, that's right. No, and I agree that bookers shouldn't be dictating people's things. Yeah. I will say when I book somebody, if it's a, if it's, if I book them on a show, I expect them to take it serious. Experiment with some stuff, little new stuff, whatever, but don't sit there with like your fucking notebook open and be like, Okay, what's next? Let's see. Hmm, don't want to do that. Nah, don't want to do that. Like, come on, man. Like, at least put some fucking effort in, unless it's exceptional. So, for example, this past week I had Quincy Jones. You said you've seen like the stuff on. Yeah. So, like, he was working out his full hour. He had notes, and he would stop and take a minute, and that okay, that's fine. He's working out his full hour for HBO. That's an exception. But other his than very that, first full hour. Yeah. Yes. But other than that, it's like you know, don't like at least have some kind of professionalism. This is what I'm gonna say about Quincy. Don't sell me your friends because you what messaged you me a, a couple weeks ago and I told this to Dylan. And I was like, oh, I gotta tell Alex. Uh, I didn't feel like addressing it at that time because I was just at sure. work and annoyed at the time. Uh, you hit me up. I was like, Hey, what shows are on these days and whatnot? Uh, which is fine. That's hit me up about that. But the way you said is it, it like. I got my friend Quincy Jones coming from in from LA. Maybe you've heard of him. He's going to be on the Ellen Show. You, He's doing the thing. You, you're doing an impression of, as if I was Dice Clay. <laughs> that's how I read it in my head. Well, that's my that's well, my no. per, that's my pitch voice. Like you pitched him at me, and I literally just went, uh, "Yes, I knew exactly who he was because I've been following." The, but I'm the not going to assume you know who he was. Um, I hit up everybody when I hit up all, Sean Carter, Kevin Quigley, Owen Linders, all those people for spots. Those are the people you should pitch. Well, okay. You're well, asking me about what shows you should send him on. My opinion was, I don't care who it is. <laughs> like, here's the right, list. F- fine, I fine. would have gave you that list no Sh- matter who fair. it was. Yeah. You didn't have to pitch me. <laughs> well, it was a home run week for him because... It seems so. Yeah, he did. So he got a couple things on his own, but I helped him with a few other spots. He got to do the studio and the gas on Saturday. He did... Friday. Didn't he come in on the Friday before? No, I think it was... Oh, he did Saturday with Kaplan, because yeah. they did two shows that weekend. Yeah, they yeah, and then Sunday, he did Slumbrew. I think he might have some, been somewhere else before, before Slumbrew, and then just hopped on at Midway. Monday, Cityside. Tuesday, Iron Furnace. Wednesday, Limelight. And then Thursday, he did... Sketch House. Th- Thunder Bar. Two shows at IB. Oh, Wonder Bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Owen Linder's room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, yeah. I still call it Wonder Bar, because it's the name of the place. I don't know why yeah. I don't want to call it Thunder Bar, but... So yeah, did, Wonder Bar. So he did Thunder, Thunder Bar... Bar the main stage show at IB, Sketch House at IB, and then closed out the studio show. And that's when I went to the studio studio show, and I was like, this is not... And I, you know, listen, who Who's driving him around? 
I was. Okay. Yeah. That works. I just stepped up. I was like, hey, you know, we're like friends now. So I was like, I want to help you out, man. This is really cool. I said, I'm happy to. I was like his mini agent in Boston. Uh, just because like, I think it's cool. He's a, he's a great dude. And I met him in December and I wanted to help him really. I think it was just as great for art. It was great for him for obvious reasons. All the stage time and work and, you know. Uh, it was great for Boston because we got to have somebody who's really got some heat on them come here, make everybody laugh, get some attention on the scene, and he's going to go back and have fond memories of Boston and come back here and tour, I'm sure, or you know, if he can in the future. I know, you know what I'm saying, God willing, yeah, if yeah. things, you know, um, hopefully. I mean, listen, he's going through chemo. He, we don't know how long he has, and he's thinking positive. Anyway, whatever. But even so, talk to other comics about how great it, the, the run was in Boston. And then the least important, but selfishly for me, it got me some attention. Because people took notice of how hard I work yeah. and how the hustle of I did is like build these shows for this guy and get him at, you know. And Kevin quickly and I, Kevin's a great dude. I, I like him a lot. He's a great producer. And he and I were talking and I, you know, um, just to purely on like a business level, he like took a little extra notice because he saw what I was trying to do with Quincy and it helped out. I mean, Quincy went in there at the, the main stage show. I forget what the name of the show was, but... Um, uh, Thursday night main stage show. I don't know off the top. Of it was head. like it's improv. I don't pay yeah. attention. <laughs> so he he went in and did like a ten minute set, maybe seven minute, whatever it was. And then the IB guys asked him some questions and they acted out some stuff. Oh, he did the the spotlight. That IB was spotlight. probably it. IB spotlight. Yes, dude. He that's their new. Th- well, they've been doing. It's an Armando show, which you've done Armando shows. I think so. Yeah. Uh, with Matt uh, Riot. Yes. Yeah, they're doing an Armando style show. On Thursday, but now they're calling it IB Spotlight, where they have a local celebrity come right. in, and well, I use finger this, quotes for that, because yeah. their first one was uh, somebody from a web series. <laughs> All right. Well, but no, he absolutely crushed. Like, I was yeah. watching it, and, and the way that that main stage room is set up, this kind of um, lens to, like, make this work, but... I felt like I was watching him on like a like a like a late night do his, like doing a late night set. Like he was way you know the way the seating is, it kind of like almost felt like that. And the and he was like walking the stage and doing his arm oh, arm movements and stuff. And and so IB was super like it was like all around great because he got to have a great workout set there. IB was super impressed with him, and it got me like a nice little like comedy karma with him and with IB from it. You know, so it was all like everybody's winning. Yeah. So well, that's a good thing about when you have somebody coming in. From out of town that you can, but I think do a lot. Of, I think a lot of comedians like wouldn't. I I have no issue checking my ego at the door. I'm very aware of like where I'm at in my career and like you know what I mean. Like I think a lot of comics get jealous very quickly. I mean, who am I to speak for other people? But you know what I'm saying. Like they would yeah. be like, oh man, this fucking guy just because he's oh yeah he gets a special because he's sick and it got buzzed and it's just he's gonna come to our city. I don't know. It's like, well, he's also like very very funny and like a great dude. Yeah. I okay. I I can agree with the oh. So this guy's only getting it because of sympathy of being sick. I get that because that thought went through my head at the same time. Right. Uh, when I saw the Kickstarter come out, I was like, because I roll my eyes over any Kickstarter, sure. Indiegogo thing, especially when it's somebody's sick. And yes, you should donate to those things if it makes you happy. Mm-hmm. I have, but at the same time, I've also rolled my eyes while I've clicked my no, credit card it. and stuff like that. Because it just th- seems going back to the earlier topic right. of a gimmick. It almost seems. Like an annoying gimmick. To well, me. I will say I'm not he didn't start it. And he else. is very funny, and I know yeah. that. And someone I've... else started it for him. Yeah, and that's without helpful. him. Yeah. Um, also, I saw him perform before this whole thing. I saw him in December. Basically, Tawanda brought him to our city. He and Tawanda met at Laughing Skull, I think. And I don't know how he ended up in Boston, but Tawanda hit me up and was like, "Hey, man, I got my buddy in town. I vouch he's great. I trust. I trust Tawanda's judgment. Um, I was like, I'll give him seven minutes on a show. Sure, why not?" And I was blown away. I was like, this guy's amazing. And I and I was like, I got to get you back here. I want to book you to headline. I mean, I, I, 
I pride myself in being able to see like real talent. You know, uh, I, I still am learning the inner workings of like how to write jokes myself. Um, some stuff I feel like I'm really good at. Some stuff I'm still you know tightening up. But I think I can definitely watch somebody and be like, this guy's onto something. And that was when I saw Quincy. I was like, absolutely. I mean, I just knew right yeah. away because I re- when the Kickstarter came up, I instantly recognized the name, but not mm-hmm. other than the name and face. I kind of recognized. I was like, definitely seen that before. Um, and well, that's why I quickly put out my eyes like, ah, we'll see something. Well, and also the part here. of it, it's not like he just got cancer and then he got a special. No, like, yeah. He's been doing it for seven years. It's a long time. And he's yeah. been, you know, and also there's a lot of, he, he mentioned on a few podcasts, there were some comedians that really, like Bill Burr was one who really took notice of him. Yeah. His combination with his talent, his character, and his unfortunate plight and all those together, they like really helped kind of, you know, f- like get the buzz going and then first it was like i think gq did an article and then all the other blogs picked it up and then npr interviewed him and then and then once ellen came through that was like that yeah that's the biggest mainstream of it yeah he had this he had this hilarious i'm gonna butcher it right now but he had this hilarious bit he was working out um he was talking about how amazing it was they had a goal for five thousand dollars in the kickstarter and it ended up to make the special and then uh it ended up getting fifty thousand dollars and he was like, he was like blown away at how big it was. But, like, but now he was thinking, like, now there's fifty thousand dollars to make this incredible special, and I feel pressure now. Oh, of course, yeah, absolutely. He's like, I feel the pressure to die because I can't be hanging out for three, four more years with some Magic Johnson illness. I'm like, was he really sick? <laughs> was this? Wait a minute. It's like I need to do the special, knock it out of the park, and then see ya. Because if I'm just hanging out. I'm like, mm, wait a minute, Quint. Like he did it much better. It was really funny when he did it, but it, yeah. I like that he that he's aware of that because I well, I hit you up because mm-hmm. I knew he was in town. I was like, hey, are you both gonna be here? Because I can knock two out at once. Because right. as soon as I heard he was coming, I was like, I should just get him on the podcast while he's in town. Uh, and I figured, well, you're hanging out with him. He, sure. You're friends with him. I can knock two out in the same day. Talk to him. Talk to you. Boom. You're both out the door, and then I have the editing to do. Yeah. One of the here, questions sure, I was gonna yeah. ask him yeah. was gonna be. So uh, how bad are you going to feel if you don't die after this? <laughs> after all the hype of it. Because sure. a lot of the hype of it is because, hey, this guy is sick and dying. Absolutely. Um, and that, that, that factors in. And God bless, I you know, I'm not wishing death upon the guy or anything like that. Yeah. But at the same time, I can understand where you're like, uh, yeah. I gotta, well, I guess I have to follow through on everyone's expectations. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. I don't know. But you know what's interesting is like, um, he was on... It was either Pete Holmes' podcast or the About Light Last Night podcast with Adam Ray and Brad Williams. I listened to both of them. And this is insane. His family, five people in his family have gotten cancer. And five of them have beaten it. Now, it wasn't as intense as what he's had. But, like, it's that's, think about it. Five people? They're five and oh. That's, like, what are the odds of that? That's crazy. Slim to none. Five people in a, well, the fact that five people in a family got cancer. Right. And that five of them Different beat kinds, it. though. Yeah. Yeah, that's... Is he living under power lines? Like, is he near a nuclear factory? I don't, they don't know what how it happened. We got mesothelioma because that's like it comes from like asbestos and stuff. Yeah. The thing is, man, he if you meet if you met him, he's just so full of life, and it's like I can't. It's I. It's still I know that he's terminally ill, and I know that he probably unfortunately doesn't have a lot of time left. But I, I can't process it because when I'm around him, he's so positive and full of energy, and just you know what I mean. It's like it. It doesn't seem real. Like it doesn't. It doesn't make sense. I mean, mortalities. There's no way to talk about mortality that's cool, like that's smooth. Oh no, I'm and I'm in the middle of writing my I almost died set, uh, and so it's, yeah, it's, you have to 
address it so that, positively. That I think it low is the difference because at least then like you're here, you're now. It's not yeah. this is ha- this is imminent. Whereas like yeah, it is a little bit different. You're right because it is a complete bummer for other people to listen to somebody talking about like McConnell has a funny bit about how he like his heart stopped. And then they had to bring him back. You ever heard this? Who did? Steve McConnon. Oh yeah. It's I don't I don't remember the exact joke. I'm gonna butcher it. I'm not gonna I really I have a really bad habit of trying to read tell someone else's not like you know what I mean, but like doing it like in this context. I think that happens when we're comedy fans. When we watch so much comedy, we not only want to share our comedy, right. we want to share other people's comedy with other people. I uh, dude, that's if that's the thing, man. If I meet a girl and she's into like certain comedians that I like, or even just stand up in general, as long as it's not like someone who's a total hack, I like immediately find her more attractive. Did you meet your girl in, uh, through comedy in L.A.? No, I met her through a friend. Well, your of, ex-girlfriend now, I guess. Yeah, that's fine. We're cool. But um, it happens, man. No, I met her through a very good friend of mine. She was the roommate of one of my friends who was a co-worker with me at TMZ. Okay. So She was the roommate of a co-worker at TMZ. Yeah, but that co-worker, her. no, she's no longer with TMZ anymore either, but she's still one of my closest friends. It's girl Amanda. Uh, and Ashley was one of her, well, was her roommate. And so I knew her for a while. We just, you know, were friends and then... Things progressed, and then, yeah. Oh, my God. Ashley and Amanda trying to make it in L.A. Sounds like a fucking CBS sitcom. Yeah, well. <laughs> it sounds like the premise of a bad well, mid-season C- CBS yeah. re- replacement. But So you were working at TMZ in L.A. How did you get that job? Because we've never talked about that. Yeah. We, you've used some of the TMZ stuff in your act. We've talked yeah, yeah. about it because I was like – because. It's on at work. I've had to watch you're not, it. You're not going to believe it. Craigslist, honestly. So I had a very weird position with the company um, because I wasn't involved with the day-to-day news ops, really. So I moved out to L.A. just after college. My dad grew up out there. I have family there, and I always want – it's like I love it. You know, I just want to figure, like, let's try it. But I didn't have a plan. I was, like, doing different stuff, like, trying different gigs, um, doing some sketch improv stuff inside. Uh, and then TMZ had just started developing a bus tour. That goes around L.A. and shows people, like, this is where Lindsay Lohan got arrested. This is where Kim Kardashian made her sex tape, all that nonsense. And so I was looking for, like... This is the back alley where Kim Kardashian made her... Yeah. Yeah. Where Lindsay Lohan puked. Uh, But, like, some of the stuff was like, this is where Michael Richards had his N-word rant at the Laugh Factory and had a mental breakdown. So... Showing their highlights, where where all their highlights happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I saw on... And I was like, I wanted to do jobs that could let me perform. I You know, I love that stuff. So I saw they were like starting it up and they brought me in to be one of the tour guides. I was the first person they hired and they also needed someone to like really develop. It wasn't developed yet. So I'd like developed the script and developed the, like all the stuff the tour guides would do. And mm-hmm. I built the whole thing basically. So um, you from, you were a TMZ tour bus tour guide. At yeah. First. I didn't drive the bus. I was the first one they hired. Yeah. And then I basically, they would show like video clips and stuff of uh, like, as it would go past something. So that stuff was already produced, but the whole script of the guides, I created that whole thing i mean you're essentially the the michael bryan of the tmz bust bus tours sure (laughs) and then over time they started having the tmz tour guides on the show because it was a way people could like take the tour and so there was a driver and i would stand in there and like tell them jokes and stuff and they'd be like oh yeah like oh i saw you on the show and so i was involved and then i did like a lot of the day-to-day ops for the show so i wasn't involved in news style but i would be in the morning meetings we would you know but the one thing i really the pitch meetings, right. And they would make that into the TV show. So I was on air a little bit here and there. A couple of times I got recognized. It's pretty cool, but it was silly. Um, I mean, the show is like nonsense. Um, but the one thing that I really got a good insight to with doing the tours is I was on the pulse of the people that are like the fan base. And it really, I was never like into like celebrity culture much. And it really opened my eyes to like the, that how deep people are into that sometimes. 
and just um it like it was ju- just to see how how intense people got about celebrity news how how excited they were for like things that i was like wow like you know it was crazy well my experience with tmz and this is i don't have a problem with tmz it's no different than national choir or any of those other uh, no different than e or um people magazine where it's all that if it it's an audience of people who want to know about celebrities lives and that's fine i don't i worked in top 40 radio so i had to know that stuff because we reported Mm -hmm. on it we would share it um, I would make fun of it or whatever I would do. But the thing that would, the only thing that pissed me off about TMZ is when they got scoops, when they got actual real scoops uh, that yeah. nobody else got. And I was like, why did that piss oh, you off? why do you get this? You're not supposed to have this real news. <laughs> that would drive me crazy. Because they have an incredible network of sources and yeah. they, they've developed through various ways. And listen, man, I will say this. Harvey Levin is brilliant. He's a, he's a phenomenal, he's a smart, really, really smart guy. And, he has built this empire, like the way you think of like Kleenex to tissues, you think of celebrity news to TMZ. It's the top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And so now when people have anything, they, that's the first people they call. Yeah. You know? Well, yeah, they built a good network. Uh, when did you, what year was it when you started with them, when they started these bus tours? I was there spring of 2011, April. So about five years ago. April 2011, and I left in October of 2014. Oh, wow. You were there for a while. Yeah. Three years, three and a half years almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, well, when when you started it, how well did you know of what TMZ was when you answered the Craigslist ad? Like I just googled. I had heard of it, kind of, not really. I mean, I read a bunch of shit and pretended I did when they interviewed me, but I picked it up quick. I mean, I can memorize that stuff. It's not. I mean, hard is to memorize like celebrity news. But the biggest thing I've always, I really did enjoy entertaining the people when there was a good crowd in the bus. That was like what I did before stand up. So it was kind of like my like kind of like got me into stand-up a little bit because I got to, like, do just tons of crowd work. Before I even knew what crowd work was, I was doing that. And it was, like, a very tongue-in-cheek tour. It was very silly. It was, you know, it was very kitsch, like the show. Deprecate myself and make fun of stuff. And occasionally, we would see celebrities in the street, and they would come over because I had a camera on the bus, so I would film them. It was, like, good PR for them. So, like, Shaq was super cool. Um, some other ones, I forget who, they were really... Not, like, uh, David Hasselhoff. Handful of guys were... The Rock. It was, if they were just already out, they would come over, shake hands, say hello. It was really cool. Um, Whereas if you ran across celebrities on the street, how many were positively receptive to it? Like, oh, let me come over, shake the fans' hands and say hi to them. Um, or well, how many put their glasses on, pulled their their hood up once, and walked away? Well, I mean, I think it was positive when they couldn't hide. I mean, like almost all of them. If it was like they were – like if we're going on the sidewalk – if we're going on the street and they're like at the coffee shop right there and it's a whole bus – and it's, it's an open-air bus. And I'd be like, guys – it's Halle Berry. And they'd be like, woo! And then she'd be like, okay. So some, usually they'd always at least do a little wave. And then be like, okay. And then some were really cool. They would, like, Shaq and David Hasselhoff were two of the main ones. And The Rock. They'd come over, shake hands, say, what's up? Um, some were a little bit more like, all right, thank you enough. I'm trying to remember. It's been a while. Is there anybody who specifically is like, oh, no, and then ran away? Uh, yeah, Bieber didn't want to interact. Okay. Or they would, or LeBron. A lot, they would kind of just do like a... They didn't run, but they, and they had like an entourage of people. They would just dip into a store. Like we go, like LeBron was on Rodeo Drive. People were freaking out. He didn't even wave. He just walked into like Hugo Boss, and just you just, just wait there because we can't, you can't enter. You know, I could like hop off the bus and talk on the sidewalk, but the minute they go into a, a store, I have to leave them alone. It's kind of like I don't know if it's a legality thing or it's just sort of like that's the etiquette rules. Um, who are some other ones that were I'm trying to remember? 
The one, you know what's funny? The, uh, usually the one, those two were kind of dicks, but then um, the ones that like were very like D-level also were kind of like, ugh. Because they, they like wanted to act like they were more important than they were. Like some of the real housewives and stuff, they'd be like, okay, uh-huh. And it's like, we, dude, you're like barely a celebrity. Yeah, you're a nobody. But they wanted to have that, you know what I mean? Yeah. They, they like wanted to, uh, you know, be able to be like. Oh, I was just bothered by the paparazzi. Right. Yeah. People more, went, more they wanted to say. People would go nuts, man. Oh, sorry. I was up late last night. Um, no, we had late shows. Did you start figuring out certain people's patterns with the buses? Like, all right, look, 11, 12, so-and-so's coming out of the gym every day. Let's go past this gym on this with, Not with specific celebrities, but spots that had celebrities. During, okay. Yeah, for sure. Like Villa Blanca was a restaurant that had people at it all the time. Um, the Ivy, uh, the shop, the shopping on Rodeo. You know, we saw Celine Dion come out. Of, and there were certain times where you would like see like, a black Escalade parked in front of a really nice spot with its flashers on, you had a pretty good idea that somebody's car. You know what I mean? Or yeah. um, I would see other paparazzi hanging out somewhere, waiting for someone. You know, so there were like certain there were certain places that we always knew there was somebody there. Um, I forget the names of some of these places, but they change a lot too. Like they're yeah. not, you know, that's the thing about LA. I'll go back now, and I don't care about celebrity stuff anymore. But if I told people where I used to go and see them, it wouldn't be the same anymore. The most common, though, honestly, the two that like always have stars you just post up whole foods in the airport that's all you got to do if you're like a paparazzi you just hang out at those two spots you will always get people no the airport definitely whole foods well i guess people have to get groceries yeah but... it's like because the, they want to be healthy and shit so you just post up in the parking lot and if you're listen if you're a full-time paparazzi and i was friendly with the guys who did it they were mostly a lot of them were comics actually um because it's like a kind of a crazy job and you have to be able to ask silly questions on the fly and be very fearless in front of strangers and you know um so they would, um, they would, they would start to figure out whose car. They would know celebrities' cars. They would after long. So they would be able to drive. They would just drive to the Whole Foods parking lot and see like, oh, oh, that's so and so's Range Rover. I'm just gonna sit here and park and just wait and you know look up some questions. Like, what's go on, hop on that person's Twitter? Think of some questions. Oh, and they see. Oh, Chloe, I just saw you tweeted. Da 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 da. And they would ask a question. You, so you've seen the show. You know yeah, the yeah. Program. I know what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then the airport, we would get. I will say this, and I can't get in trouble for saying this because I, I can't prove it, and I don't know it. I'm just I'm just repeating things I've heard other people say, but I know it's true. Um, those guys all have tipsters that tip the same way like cops have informants. Same thing, people at airlines, limo drivers, valets, hotel concierges, security guards. Like this, so that's how they know where to go. People they'll throw like let's say, let's say you like worked as. The valet at a restaurant, right? How much money are you going to make a night? Well, if you can make an extra 50 bucks to send a text to somebody discreetly being like, Bradley Cooper, Mr. Chow, right now. Yeah. So then you, so then I know as a camera guy, okay, Bradley Cooper's in Mr. Chow. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to post up outside Mr. Chow. And then if I see Bradley Cooper come out and get a shot, I'm going to kick you $50 under the table. It's cash. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. And, and no one would ever know other than you and me. Like, how would you ever get in trouble for that? No, yeah. 100%. No. I, that's... So that you just go and you build your network of tipsters. And, uh, well, isn't that what Gawker.com started as? Probably. Was, was if you see a celebrity somewhere, report it. Yeah. Uh, that, like, that's how they started out. You know, that's, that the, hence the name. It's Gawking. It's like, oh, yeah, we're I seeing them. that. No, yeah, that's, the, that's how they started out. Well, when you were working for them, because this happened to me, working in Top 40, reading up on celebrity news, I would occasionally find myself saying celebrity news and gossip to my friends, just in casual conversation. Or like yeah. um, 
you know the mega touch games at the bar sure there's one where it's uh it's all you know match right this this actor to this movie or this date to this movie there was this one thing called hollywood something or other mm-hmm. and then one of the categories was celebrity couples and i nailed it a hundred percent every time and my friends are like how do you know a celebrity comes like this stuff just talks about at work and I, it just seeps into my brain. Like, do you, did you have that problem with your friends having to go, yeah, I know everything about Lindsay it was, Lohan's no, it was, it was personal less, life. It was less that. It was more like when big stories would break, people would, like, ask me for, like, other details. Like, as if I had, like, inside information. Like, when Whitney Houston died, I remembered I was at home visiting family. and I was, in, with, I was out at a bar with friends in D.C. And then the news broke. My buddies and like people were talking about it, and then like people I didn't even know. My buddies were like, "Oh yeah, our buddy works at TMZ." And then like some girls they were talking to were like, "Oh, like so like give me the details." I'm like, "Dude, I don't. I'm not. I'm here with you. What? I found out the same way you did. No one's sending me texts." Yeah, and like when um, like when that thing with the whole Ray Rice thing happened, all my friends because I you know I went to school in Maryland. I was like, "Dude, what? What? Give me the scoop. How'd that happen?" I'm like, "Why? First of all." Why would I have... You know I'm the tour guide. You know I do the bus tour. Why would I have inside information? Second of all, even if I did, I couldn't tell you. You were just like... It was just like people would just expect me to give them... Like, it was... It, it would, a lot of times people would be like, so like, tell me something that like is not on the website of the show. It's like, what? Why? What? <laughs> yeah. You know what's not on the website or so? Harry Levin puts soy milk in his coffee. Like, that's... Right. <laughs> it just... Yeah, that was kind of annoying. Um, and then people, people would expect me to know. They would ask me questions. They'd be like, why don't you know? And it's like, what do you do for work, man? Remind me, what do you do? Oh, I sell insurance. Do you want to talk about insurance when you're off the clock? No, you don't. That's the last thing you want to talk about. But, like, people would want to add that. So, I, I guess because, like, the difference with what I'm doing now versus what I did then, I hated celebrity news. I didn't care about it at all. It was stupid. So, I didn't want to talk about it. Comedy, I'm obsessed with comedy. I can talk about comedy forever. I have to catch myself and, like, take a break because sometimes I go on about it too, mo- too long. With people who aren't. Who aren't comedians. Yeah. Anyway, so that was the main thing with TMZ. I, uh, so I left when I moved out here, and it was good. It was, a, it was my first job out of college, and it was a good like first job to like, get myself started. But it, uh, I definitely needed to leave. <laughs> well, so when, uh, when Ashley wanted, yeah, yeah uh, which is the worst part, I just said her name 20 minutes ago, and I'm not even re- That's like, cool. wait, what was her name? Anyway, yeah. um, She's not when Ashley wanted to move here, yeah. was she, it was for school, right? Yeah, she's in grad school right now. Did you want to come to Boston? Because for me, when I moved to Boston, a job came up and I wanted to come to the city specifically because I yeah. knew how good it was for comedy. It wasn't Boston specifically, but it de- like I definitely wanted, I 100% wanted to get out of TMZ. I also wanted to get out of LA for a bit. I felt like I needed to, it's very, I mean, I try to start comedy in LA. It's insane. I can't do that, you know? Nobody can start now. I mean, you can, but, you know. Um, so I definitely, so those things kind of came together. And then when we started dating, and she was coming to Boston. I was like thinking about, I was like, okay, that's actually a good. Like, I wouldn't have gone to like Buffalo or Minneapolis or something. Like, I would have gone to like here, Chicago, Denver, uh, Austin. Like, a, it had to have a good scene. Yeah. So Boston has a great scene. I mean, mm, it, at least it historically it did. It's better. It's getting better. Yeah, I would say but, when I moved here, I was a little disappointed with the quality of the city. Right. Because I had I had big expectations. Yeah. Um, and there are so many great comedians here, but it's also the town doesn't care about the comedy the way I thought they would. Yeah. You're saying um, audience members don't audience care? Audience members, yeah. Um, there's so much other things to do in this city that people rather do than go see comedy, where I think... we're vo- You know what's crazy? It's like, Boston's sensitive, man. The crowds here are very sensitive. You think it's because it's, co- it's mostly college kids? 
No, you know what? Anton has his theory. It's too many white people because Boston is not a, as diverse as we think, and it's also like kind of a segregated city still. Very much, yeah. And so people are uptight, laughing at things that are un PC if they're only around all white people because it feels like it. For, like when I do shows in LA, a, a club that I do well at is the Haha, and the Haha is a very heavily Armenian and Mexican audience. And I get great responses there. I love performing there. And I just think that, like, Cambridge and Somerville especially, it's sort of just... And it's not that... They're not even like they're offended so quickly, um, but it's also like they just don't give the big laughs. They kind of have, like, the smile and, like, oh, it's funny. Um, but I do... Like, like, a joke that I do that... You've heard me do 100,000 times. As I say, like, oh, I had a J- Jewish rap group. It was Kikes with Anxiety. Yeah. And a lot of times... Like, I do that in L.A. And they go, big laugh. And then, like... I'll do it in Somerville sometimes. It's like, oh, is that okay? It's like, dude, I'm Jewish. I'm the, like, I'm, yes, it's funny. Like, I'm making the joke about uh, my people. Like, you can laugh. It's okay. But I feel like people are almost like, oh, I don't know. Like, I don't want to be, like, insensitive and, like, somebody else might be Jewish and not find the joke funny. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, ugh, I just, I think we're also just, it's society. We're so, it's just so easy to be offended now. People want to be offended sometimes. They like to be offended. It's like, I don't know. It's weird. But then again, I mean, like, last night, uh, my eight o'clock show. It took a long time to crack him open. Even so, I so I had Harrison Stebbins take the bullet. I you know I specifically asked him because he's a. Do you know him? Or you yeah, know? yeah, he's great. I think he, I I really like his comedy. And so I, but he's a, he's a pro. So I was like, I, you he's know, also very energetic, which yeah. is a good person to throw up. And like, so oh. I was hosting. I was struggling. He struggled, and I was like, if he's struggling, fuck man, this is a tough crowd. And then like thirty minutes into the show, they started to relax and get going. But it's just one of those things. Because the energy is weird, you know. Well, how, how's the hideout going? Is it still predominantly filled up by people on the street who are like, okay, we'll go see a comedy show? Or are you building a, ret- a, pedo- a repeat audience? Are you building no, an audience s- that people go, comedy show, you let's go. Well, now that we're doing Fridays, it's only through April now. But So the, the way it happened was we had Wednesdays. We moved it from Wednesdays because I didn't want to compete with Limelight. The owner gave us Sundays. And then in the winter, they're not... You only even, did, like, what, one Sunday? Uh, we did it for a month. And really? then Patty, okay. the owner, was like, well, actually, the hideout's not open in the winter on Sundays, but you could do Fridays. We're like, yeah, great. So we did a Friday, went great. Then we started, you know, and, we, and then we started selling them out. So then we added every Friday, and those were selling out ahead of time, like, in, online. And then now, that's when we decided to do two shows. So we don't fly at all anymore. It's all Boston Calendar, Eventbrite is real big. It's Eventbrite, Facebook, Boston Calendar, Meetup, Boston.com, all those different sites. Um, people looking for stuff to do. Because think about it. It's Faneuil Hall, Friday night, $5. It's so cheap. Yeah. Um, so so we, uh, yeah, so we had, I mean, we they weren't like sold out both shows, but they were full. I mean, there was a little room to move around, but packed. Both shows were packed. And I really wanted to do, I'm doing lightning rounds every late show in uh, in April because I really want, first of all, there's no other late, sh- late night comedy in Boston except, you know, they're IB like, and IA. yeah, I mean, they have. We want to consider them part of the comedy community. Uh, technically, they are part of the comedy community. But for stand up, exactly. And that, that's why I exclude them because I don't count right. them as part of stand up. So for stand up shows. They do a nightcap at 11 o'clock, but eh, nobody's there for it. I've never been to it, is it? Yeah. I've done it and I've been to it. It's not very well populated. Right. Uh, and it's because it's not really promoted. The only pe- people it's promoted to is when the shows are going out, when the shows are right. leaving, somebody might be there from the show going, by the way, 11 o'clock show, or they'll mention it after the last right. main is stage it, show. Is that the pay what you will show? No, that's Sundays. That's the people comedy. Oh, okay. Sundays at 9 o'clock. Um, Nightcap is completely free. It's 11 o'clock, Friday and Saturday. Um, 
it's there for it's like one to, step above get, a mic. Huh? It's like one step above a mic, basically. More or less, yeah. But it's an eleven o'clock show, so, just trying to get more people to stick around yeah, for stand up. So that's why I wanted to do a lightning round because I don't listen on my site because it's there's right, no reason to Yeah. But like part for me it's like a couple reasons. One, I want to encourage comics to come hang out. There's nothing else, like you might as well. And two, yeah, get up. You'll at least get to work one bit, two bits maybe. And maybe somebody really liked your stuff, and you'll get to like get him to come to another show. Maybe I'll be super impressed, and I'll book you on another spot. Um, and then also, like you're talking before, a lot of the guys I put up very still open micery, so it's like a chance for them to like at least get like a small little spot for a, a crowd on a Friday night. I wish you know. I want there, the problem is, man, it is so hard to convince a bar or a venue to give you a weekend night. We we really lucked out with the hideout, and it's only for until spring summer because they want live music. And we've been selling out every show, and the owners like, yeah, I get that, but I've had music for years. I'm not going to change it up. You're going to do Sundays, and it's just you know, most bars already have a crowd that's going to come in and spend money on drinks and stuff, and th- without the thing, or they want music because it's like dancing and you know, it's- socializing. People can socialize and talk and. Flirt I mean, and do whatever they want the studio, while music playing. Yeah, even the studio, they could the Hong Kong kicks them out at ten. They want people in there dancing. They could because they could pack it out for a second show, easy. Yeah. But the venue doesn't want it. That's why you have to like that's even Nick's. Nick's can't do late shows either. The only place that can are the comedy specific buildings. IB, IA, Laugh Boston. That's it. Yeah, well, it unfortunately and the Wilbur, we don't have but that's it. a whole separate thing. Yeah, and I, I don't include the Wilbur in any of the things right. when we talk about the, uh, comedy because they're a completely different entity. Like when they won best comedy club, it's that's like so stupid. It's, it's not a club, but yeah, and of argue, course you're going to say it's the best because you go there because they have the biggest names because they can afford it. The best comedy it. venue, maybe. Yeah, at, uh, well, as on best, is it really even the best environment? I mean, you've been in there. It's pretty tight. It's very uncomfortable. Like they they shuffle yeah. you like cattle in and out. Is it's, it the best because they have the most people that you want to see, or because they truly are the best environment? You know, I, they're now, o- they're overpriced. Everything's well, higher. Well, it depends what experience you want. If you want the theater experience, then yeah. yes. If you want a comedy club, no, you go to Laugh Boston. Yeah. Laugh Boston. If Laugh Boston had a different had a location downtown, it'd be phenomenal. Yeah, they picked a terrible location. I think. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's, I mean, inside a hotel, you should have a built-in audience. Of people who are in town at the hotels. Like, they, get, oh. they get some, but it's not. The problem is it's pain in the ass to get to the seaport. There's nowhere to park. The tea doesn't go there. Yeah, no, it's uh, you know it's a mile from downtown Grouse, or from South Station. Literally yeah. a mile. I walked it. I've t- I walk it I've, all the time. Yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Silver you know, Line you is the this, closest. Yeah, the, you can take the bus. But it's yeah. a pain in the ass, again. The pro- Again, but it's like, you know. And, and the thing is with the Wilbur, I think the Wilbur, what it's done... Uh, and nobody outside of like people like us would care, but it takes away patrons from the club scene because how many shows does somebody really pay to go to see a year for comedy? A couple, maybe, you know, your average person, two, one, three, three if you're a huge comedy fan. Right. Yeah. Probably one a year, if that. So it's like, where are you going to choose to go? Probably the Wilbur because it's easier to get to. It's like the, the prestige of the venue is there and they have the biggest names and the prices are comparable to laugh. I mean, Chris D'Elia's doing the Wilbur. It's 30 bucks. The same price as Laugh Boston. Yeah. And so it's like, and then it's like, a patron doesn't, you care way less about the venue. You just care like, oh, who am I, am I going to see the comedian that I want to see? Well, the comedian, they're, you're, you're specifically going to Wilbur to see somebody. The Wilbur's bringing in big names that you already know. Laugh is bringing in big names that, but if you're not following comedy, you probably wouldn't know. Like, right. trust me, how many people know Theo Vaughn's name outside of watching what, Guy Code? 
Yeah, I don't know. Is he on Guy Code? I don't know. Isn't that one of the shows that he's on? Whatever I, it is. I don't think it's Guy Code. I think he was he was on an MTV talking. He was show. on the Real World a long time ago. Is that what it was? Okay, but like that was Real World. Not, like yeah, but but he's on the show now. Whatever. I get what you're saying. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He was on Real World. I, I do remember somebody or, saying that. But like what, somebody who's like like so last year, well, Joe Brett Morin. If right. Brett Morin's coming here, wh- who's going to know who Brett Morin is unless you watch At Midnight or Undateable? Right. And if you're watching either of those two shows, you're a fan of comedy. Sure. Undateable is the only show that might not be right, right. that might attract people who are just coming to watch yeah, a funny but that sitcom. Show is like, eh. uh, I think it was really good when they went live, yeah. uh, because they it's, can do it's a lot funny more. Uh, and then, yeah, it's an okay sitcom. It's fine. It's it's one of those sitcoms that you can just put on and shut your brain off to. Right. It's not changing the world. It's not giving you great storylines. Yeah. It's giving you okay storylines and good to, yeah. jokes. Um, but yeah, it's and the only appeal to that show is it's a mediocre sitcom. Right. That it just happens to be have what three, four big name comedians who are on it. Yeah. Um. So if you don't know comedy, who knows Ron Funch's name outside of comedy? No. Well, people might now, but they didn't before. Bit, well, if the only reason you know him is because he's a comedian, right. because of Undateable and At Midnight, and his Comedy Central special. Those are his three big things. Yeah, yeah. Chris D'Elia. The only reason you're gonna know him is because of Whitney and Undateable, and that's it. Like no, if you're not watching those, if you're not watching Whitney because you like Whitney coming stand up, or because you're a stand up fan, stand you're never gonna know who who they are. Do you not? Do you not like Whitney? I don't think her stand up at all. I think she's fine. I don't. I don't, I don't hate her. I her mean, shows listen, weren't great. She's infinitely more successful than I'll ever be. But I'm just saying, I just don't connect with her stand up at all. I like Dalia's stand up. A lot of people hate it. I I I I think it's cool. I think he's funny. But a lot of comic shit. But you know, we're so comics are so judgy in particular about what is and isn't good comedy you know yeah i like a lot of comedy that people think is crap like delia and eliza schlesinger are two of them and i and kevin i like kevin hart i think kevin hart's funny a lot of comics love to show on kevin hart now oh, i kevin. still think dane cook is funny i thought his new special on showtime it came out a couple years ago was great but a lot of people are like oh dane how could you like dane and it's like well I, it made me laugh well dane got that stigma because of all the louis stuff and that he, you know, people started turning on him. And then when yeah. the Louis stuff came out, because anyone's going to turn on something that's right. being popular. Yeah. So as soon as something becomes popular, they start turning on them. Um, majority of society, because of whatever reason. Sure. And then when the Louis stuff came out, that just gave them reason. Right. To, that just validated their hatred for, for yeah. popularity. I've never been a huge fan of Dane. I've seen him live. I've seen his things. I've laughed at some of his stuff. Uh, I will admit that majority of his delivery is why things are funny. Like yeah. when he does the joke about the the alien from yeah. the movie, yeah, the xenomorph from Aliens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's only funny if he pours the thing on his head and he does the act out. Well, that's Just talking real, about but, but it is not as like, funny. He had, but that's part of a job as a comedian, getting people to laugh. I think his closer on this Showtime special, the latest Showtime special he had, his closer was one of the funniest closers I've seen in a while. I'll, I'll, I'm going to give you the beats of it, and you'll you'll understand. You can imagine. You know, he has a thing about how he was hooking up with this girl. They slept together. She's very young, and she was like, um, "What year did you graduate?" He's like, "Like high school." He's like, "Yeah." It's like 1990. She's like, "Do you know how old I was in 1990? I was one. Wouldn't that be weird if I was in the audience at your graduation?" And he's like, and he does this whole big build up. He's like, no, you know, what would be weird is if I'm there at the graduation and I walk into the stage and he's like, dude, the Dane thing, you know, he's like, and I get my diploma and I look in the crowd and I stare at you and I say, one day I'm going to fuck, fuck that, that baby. baby. <laughs> that's a great line. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, and it's like well-timed. Well, people go, oh, that's hack. But I guess you could, the thing is, man, like you can make anybody hack. You could make an argument to call Louis a hack to Chappelle. It's, you know, that's what, that's Because it's a subjective thing. That's one of my biggest pet peeves about comedians is that 
we love to think that, oh, I know what comedy is. I know. And that's why, and I don't, again, I don't know him at all, but when I see somebody like Ken Reed on Boston Comedians, like, talking down to everybody, like, he knows what real comedy is and everybody doesn't, I just want to be like, dude, go fuck off. Like, no, you don't. You're just another guy, okay? Like, and I know that, like, he might listen to this, so Ken, sorry. Well, where Ken Reed's never getting booked. No. Well, I don't know him. I mean, I met him. I don't know him at all, but I'm just saying the persona I get. But you know what, though? Also, before I got, I, I really like Sean Sullivan. I think he's pretty cool and he's funny and I, you know, he's a good guy. Before I got to know him. I like Sean's comedy, but I'll say this. Out of the times that I've seen him. He's like even on the Hideout. He did not do well that that one that last time you had him on on the Hideout show. What's he he's just, I, I think he was funny. The audience weren't receptive. Well, I to wasn't. Him. I've seen him too I, many times where the audience wasn't receptive, and I'm like, that wasn't my point. He's kidding. That wasn't my point at all. I oh just, no, I was just interjecting yeah. that as my opinion. I, I like Sean's comedy, but my point was before I knew him though. And him, and also with Rick Canavan, I would read their comments in Boston Comedians, and be like, these guys are dickheads. But now that I know them, I'm like, oh, okay, I get it. It's just them being them. It's not, yeah. yeah. So I guess that's probably part of it. Um, anyway, I don't know. That, I mean, yeah, Ken Reed's not the uh, argumentative type. Um, I, don't I just don't like anyone who likes to consider themselves like the the the, dis- the decider of what is and is not comedy. It's like... Like Richard Pryor has a thing where he's, I think he said he's like, did you go up on stage? Do they laugh at your jokes? That oh, he was talking about. Um, he has a quote. Where he's talking, I, I think Eddie Murphy has a joke about how like Bill Cosby told him to not do this because that's not what comedy should be. Don't then, be dirty. Don't curse. And yeah. then Pryor's like, do they go on? Do you tell the jokes on stage? Do they laugh? Well, then tell that motherfucker. I said, have a coke and a smile, and he can shut the fuck up or whatever. You know, it's like saying like, if you do your jokes on stage and people laugh. It's comedy, and no one can. T- That's why it's so great. You can't deny that it's funny. If the crowd laughs, it's it's right there. It's instant fact. Like you know right away. Whereas like it's music, it's subjective. You can be like, "That's a good song. It's not a good song." Like, no, that wasn't funny. Well, to this crowd of people, it was. They you can't deny if they laughed or not. It's yeah. Like, oh well, then 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 people like to say the audience is stupid. Or well, then okay. Well, I mean, if you tell a bunch of jokes about you know, if you touch tell a bunch of black jokes in front of a KKK. A KKK meeting, and they laugh, and you can go. All right, that's a that's an extreme. That's example. an extreme, and I know. But I just wanted to bring up that extreme. Sure, okay, but like, I don't I don't connect with Whitney Cummings stand up at all, <laughs> at all. But I thought she was pretty good in the roasts. I'll give her that. Yeah, I don't know if she wrote those jokes. Maybe she did. Maybe she did. I don't care. She was great in the roasts, but she is a comic because I've watched her specials. I watch a lot of comedy. I don't like to like study it, and I see she's working her crowd. Her crowd liked it. You know, so. Anyway. Yeah, I always try to stick to the I don't like, I do like, not uh, he sucks, she sucks, or mm-hmm. whatever. I try to say very, I learned this a long time ago working in the music industry, working in radio, that I try not to say things are bad, things suck. I go, I don't like it. Because mm-hmm. I put the subjective opinion on it yeah. instead of t- taking things down. And I've had that argument with other people like, oh, that band sucks. I'm like, why does that band suck? Because I don't like them. Well, the, you don't like them. They don't suck. They're right. much better than you are and whatever. when it comes to musical ability. Whatever. They're not your taste and that's fine. You don't have to. But don't say they suck because – and nobody here said anybody sucks. But uh, that's what I always try to stick to with my opinion of I don't enjoy, I don't like. Um, to go on the thing where you're talking about saying that these things are bad for comedy or this or that, the gimmick. To go to that and I'll – maybe I empathize a little bit with Ken Reed's plight because I do the same thing in radio right now. 
Like when I'm listening, when I see my friends in radio post things or other stations that I use to work for other stations, when I see things coming out, I go, that's so lacking in creativity. And I get very mad and I, I put up a whole big long blog post about how everyone in radio is being lazy, that you're not going out there and you're not being talented, you're not being artist anymore, which is what the radio industry was. That's what drew me to it as a kid, as a place where I could be a musician and a comedian and a news person and a performer and an entertainer. And now I'm not seeing that from people in yeah. this day and age. They're being lazy about it. So I can see his point where he's seeing something like a lingerie show and going, we are better than this. Yeah. And you want to see better things done. Uh, and I, I see my friends do it all the time. It's like, when it comes to, to just breaks on the air, or we have to do blog posts. All, uh, not me anymore. I'm not part of that, the music side of, of radio. But when I watch my friends go back who still have to put a blog post, they put up, this is a 90%, 98% of radio station blog posts is this. Sometimes it's put up by a web person and not the jock. But when the jock does it themselves, that's what infuriates me. They'll take a news story that's a popular news story or a popular viral video and they go, title will be the title of the video. They'll write one sentence about it and then click here for more information, whether it's a news story, a viral video, whatever. And to me, that's fucking lazy. Yeah. When I do, when I was on the music side and I had my own blog, I would write, rewrite the entire story in my own voice. My, or if I was writing for a morning show, I wrote under that, I tried to write in his voice. I tried to make it interesting, tried to rewrite it. Put in more things than just read here for more information. In fact, every blog post I put never said read here for more info. It had a citation, a site where a citation where you can go back and read the original article. But I already told you the whole article. I put new pictures in, link to other things. Like if I was talking about somebody, oh, uh, Lindsay Lohan is in the news today, uh, the star of the Parent Trap movie, and there would be a link to the Parent Trap IMDb page. Right. Or it would be a link. To her doing something else stupid yeah, in a yeah. video. I put in little gems like that. Why? Because I want to give you more of an experience sure. when you're a radio listener. I want my listeners to come back to my page. You have to, man. People and, expect more now and everything. Yeah, unfortunately, radio is not picking up on that. In my opinion, there's a few people who are still being innovative I'm and telling, new. I'm going to tell you something, man. Or not, I'm saying that's if I like, had some secret. I think radio is going to be dead in about 10 years. And I know, disagree. And you know what's going to do it? Well, the Podcast? Why, that partly but self-driving cars the reason that you use the radio is because you can just boop it's already there you don't have to fiddle with anything you just turn it on and you drive but once self-driving cars are mainstream and it's going to happen maybe 10 15 whatever however long it is you, then you're just going to have your phone and this is these are going to get even better and better and then it's all going to be the digital stuff and you're not going to why would you want to go to radio when you just you don't even have to because now the i listen to radio too but the appeal is I don't have to fiddle with the phone. I just hit, I kind of like, you know, it's, I get some local stuff and you never, but if I'm art, like when I'm in an Uber, I don't request the radio at all. I want to play on my phone or I plug it in, you know? Yeah. So. Well, in your theory of self-driving cars, won't we lose all audio only things? Because why listen to audio only and stare at the road when you can just watch TV? Well, yeah, that too. But no, I mean, audio only will always be somewhat of a appeal because sometimes people don't want to watch something. But I'm saying, I mean, sure, or like maybe we'll get more video stuff. Um, but I just, I mean, you you know, almost everybody listens to radio in the car. Very few listen to radio outside of the car. Uh huh. Correct. And and so once the car situation changes, like that whole thing, it's. I mean, I could be totally wrong. Well, this but, is my opinion on this, and you know, what? it's been my opinion for the past five, six, seven, eight, almost ten years. 
We will lose AM radio. AM radio will go away. How is it even still a thing? Who I, listens to AM radio? I don't radio? even know why it's still a thing, to be Who's honest. Who's on AM radio? Old people. That's Rush exactly Limbaugh? it. Limbaugh? Uh, old people and sports fans. Okay. Oh, yeah. Sports are on AM radio. I don't know why they haven't put, why more companies aren't pushing sports to be on the FM band, whatever. The, the, but that is what it is. Uh, but why would anybody I don't think terrestrial radio will ever go away. It'll always be there. The yeah, business but it's going to be like the way people listen bit. to vinyl now. It's going to be like super niche. I don't think it's going to be even a niche. I think it's just always going to be there. Um, they, you know, with digital radio. Uh, well, I mean, look at what it is. We're talking about radio. You're talking about RF radio. I think the formatting of radio in general, whether it's streaming, podcast, whatever, will always be there. Yeah, that I think terrestrial will still but, always be there too because it's still so AM, convenient and free. I'm saying AM, FM, radio. Once, listen, once advertisers realize that the money is not in radio anymore, it's going to crumble. And they're going to realize, it's, I mean, it's already, shit, sorry, it's already happening. You can't tell. Oh, ta- yeah. yeah. No, yeah, the, the industry makes less money now than it did. But the thing about radio is, it's so, it does not take much. Like, it does not take much to run a radio station financially. Um, I think when I was in college, the profit to, um, uh, overhead ratio, something like eighty percent. Like eighty percent is profit compared to you know they make eighty percent more profit than they do overhead costs. Really? Um, something like that, something ridiculous. Like whereas like the restaurant industry is like ten percent. Um, I may not be right with these numbers, but it's something astronomical like that where your overhead is so little compared to how much money it brings in from advertising, um, and whatnot. Do you want to? Would you, have you thought about trying to start? Well, I guess this is your own radio station of sorts. Um, well, I, yeah, this is what I'd rather be doing is interviews and talking to people and, and stuff. Even when I was in the music side of things, I'd rather sit and talk to people. Um, I still love music and I love talking about music, but I'd rather have interviews and stuff. So this is why I did this. I wish I had did this 10 years ago like I wanted to, but it's neither here nor there. I didn't want to be 10 years ago. I didn't want to just be another person with a podcast. And now, of course, at 2016... We were saying 10 years ago, well, everybody has a podcast now. In 2016, everyone does have a podcast now. You know, we, yeah, we, we made that yeah, exaggeration nobody real. nobody was digging podcasts 10 years ago. I know. I was ahead of the curve, and I just didn't follow through with it. Like streaming radio. I quit streaming radio. Um, I was working for – not working. I, I had a streaming uh, show on my radio station at, at my college that I could have kept doing probably to this day if I wanted to. But I was like, no, I'm going to be in terrestrial. And I missed the boat – on being ahead of the game with streaming and podcasts yeah, because I wanted to be... Because I didn't foresee what internet radio was going to be because at the time, 15 years ago, when I was doing this, 12 years ago, when I think I... Uh, uh, 13 years ago, 12, 13 years ago is when I got my job in FM and decided to not do streaming because nobody's computers 12 years ago could handle doing that. Right, yeah, I didn't that, foresee, oh, that's probably true too, yeah. No, literally, my no, internet right. server held 100 people, otherwise it would crash. Yeah, I think about computers. So many people called me, he's like, uh, I, my computer's not, all I get is buffering because my computer's not strong enough. I, I, didn't about, see, oh, I did not foresee this, cell right. phones being well, in I our remember, pockets with internet. I remember in 04, like one of the first times I was like, oh, the internet needs to get better. Is There was like some NBA game, I think it was the Pacers or what, somebody, where some of the players went into the stands to punch a fan who threw a beer or something. Oh, yeah. And you remember, I don't know, this is, yeah, yeah, whatever. And so I was trying to watch the video online. It was taking forever. This is 04. And it was like, ah, oh, someone fixed the internet. I don't think this is, I guess YouTube was around then. I don't know. Um, dude, who's your listenership? Who do you think listens to this? I have no idea. I specifically don't, Check the numbers, because I know I have an so obsession. Could, 
Right. Uh, I know I would be obsessed with the numbers, and it would it would affect my mood, and it would skew how I would do the show. Hey, if you're so for right now, until I have to worry about that stuff, I but, don't worry. about What's the name it. of this podcast? So what do you really do? All right. So if anybody, let, how much time have we done? Uh, about an hour, less than two hours. All right. Hour if you 45. if somebody made it this far to the podcast. And you come see me at one of my shows, and you tell me you heard me on Dead Air Dennis's So What Do I Do podcast. I'm going to buy you a shot and a beer of your choice. <laughs> I'll be very impressed. I wanna, I'm standing the challenge. The challenge, the gauntlet has been thrown. Prove to me that you listened. I'm, I don't even... You're not, or be lazy. Just at least tweet at Alex Getlin that you heard this. <laughs> yeah, you can tweet at me, too. I'm really bad. I have a lot of Twitter followers when I work at TMZ, but I don't really use it properly. I'm really bad with Twitter. Like, I don't... I don't know if there's... A, the, the only way to be bad at Twitter is to not be on it. No, but like some people are really good about tweeting things to get a lot of retweets and um, uh, people like to follow them and you know what I mean? Like, like how do you think you're bad at Twitter? Because I, I only use it to just promote... I only tweet out things that like plug my upcoming shows. Okay. But I don't tweet anything that like gets me new. Um, not tweeting jokes and not putting out content. No. Well, that's a content issue. So yeah, that's I what don't, I'm thinking. But I'm not my my joke writing style doesn't translate over Twitter. You gotta my joke writing style. That was a problem I had on some of the dating apps I was on now, because they have it on their like profile pictures me on stage, and then I have a line like you know my job is to make you laugh, and then so some of these girls be like ooh tell me a joke, and I'd be like well they're not really don't translate over this and, you know and they'd be like oh well if you're really a comedian I'm like oh, god damn all right swipe no next. <laughs> So you tell people on your dating app that you're a comedian. Yeah, I'm gonna show you right now, dude. It's a that's that's what gets them interested. Well, if they like that sort of thing, it interests them. Because I veer away from that. I mean, you're you're now on the on the dating circuit again. So I guess it's more. I've always been on the dating circuit. I've, I'm yeah. terminally single. This is so, my this is my profile. As you at uh, you right on stage, very first one. Yeah, it's not all stage picks, but then and then I just have the one line like my job is to make you laugh. But the whole point is because so I, three out of one was it five. Yeah. Three out of five pictures are you on stage at a club, a ha-ha club, left Boston, and I don't know where this other one's from. Show me. Um, black and white. Uh, it's limelight. Limelight. Okay. Yeah, I should have guessed it by the black and white because all the photos out yeah. of limelight are black and white. Yeah, our photographer. All right, here's your headshot that you right. use for everything. So, yeah, there's that again. Uh, and then that's you at a bachelor yeah. party or something like yeah, that. Yeah. I remember that, that, that picture coming yeah. up very recently. But the whole point so is. So four, four out of your five photos are you in comedy. Or so, comedy related. But, but the point is because I comedy's my life. So why would I not want to, you know, attract a woman who is intrigued by that or at least finds it amusing enough to or like is into it. So like, you know, I went out with a girl recently and she lo- she like loves Mulaney. And so she like and she came to my show and she loved it. She thinks it's so cool. So of course I would want that versus somebody who's not well, I mean, but that's my stuff. Some people don't like that. Oh no, I'm the, I'm the I'm the the one who doesn't like that. I don't put I may have now put it in there because right. everyone's like put comedian in it, put comedian in it, and I'm like, fine. But well, I barely use the apps, uh, right. so it's it's a matter of content. Like I'm not using it that often, so you're not going to meet as many people. But I very rarely I stick away from mentioning the comedian thing. I don't avoid it. I just don't open with it. Well, it sets a certain expectation, for sure. How so? Because then if they you. Oh, you, they just expect you to be funny, is yeah, what you're saying? Yeah, man, you better okay. be. So, I, I, like a couple, even a couple months ago, I don't know if I had the confidence to. But now I feel like I've hit a stride in my own comedy, where I like, you know, like I had a girl come to my show last night. And she was super impressed. It felt pretty good. 
felt really good. But I and I wasn't nervous about having her there because I was like, even if it doesn't go great, it's like I'm it'll go well enough, you know. And uh, before you know, so I had to like I had to hit that level of confidence in my stand up where I'm like, it, there's no way I'm gonna bomb. I'm gonna at least do decent enough. And she'll see. And also, there's no way I'm gonna like if it's a tough crowd, it's not gonna be just me suffering. So she'll get it. And she did. It's cool. Hmm. Yeah. See, I don't. I don't open up with with comedian. I've told people that I'm comedian when it comes up. Mm-hmm. Um, I think my favorite way to tell somebody that I'm comedian is when I say something. They, oh, you're really funny. You should be a comedian. I, was like, I am. Like that's my favorite way is to surprise them with it. Just because the me, I make it so nonchalant mm-hmm. um, that I'm doing it. That that's that's how doing comedy is so ingrained in me to where it's yeah. Of course, I'm a comedian. I'm funny. That's why I'm a comedian. That's my my thinking. So natural, where I feel like some people have want to go out there and just tell everyone I'm a comedian, and they're more in more intrigued with telling people they're a comedian than yeah. they are actually being a comedian. It's similar to other. Let's go back to, to people I've worked with in the radio. There's people I worked with in radio who, <coughs> excuse me, sexy. Pause for editing. So many people that I worked with. <laughs> there's so no, many don't people. Don't cut that shit out. That's the that's the gold right that's there. That's the real dead Dennis. Uh, he just burps loudly into the mic and splatters things all over the shield. Uh, anyway, but there's people I've worked with in radio who would introduce themselves as, hey, I'm Sammy from The Kane Show. Like, they have to right. mention, then that's just an example. No, that's not an example. I'm exact, that's an ex- exact example, not a random example. But there's people who I know that introduce themselves to other people, not at an event, on the street, as the show that they are a part of or the station that they're from. Because they don't have that ability, or they don't have that in, that character to them to be interesting right. to other people. Then, hey, I already work. I watch it all the time in radio. I'm sure you get this when you tell somebody you're a comedian. You watch their eyes light up, and they're like, "Oh, really?" Even to this day, when I tell somebody I work oh, yeah. in radio, they immediately go, "Oh, really?" So, what do you do? And most of the time, when they find out I'm behind the scenes, majority of the years that I've been behind the scenes, even when I was on air, I very rarely told people that. Yeah. I was just like. I produce a show. I'm behind the or I'm an engineer or whether this and that. You watch their entire posture go, oh. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it's like the same thing. Well, you you can't disappoint people with a comedian unless you go, I'm a comedian. Oh, where do you do stand up? Oh, I'm an improviser at uh (laughs) I'll tell you what, man. I love how occasionally I'll just get a nice shot in on improv, even though I'm a big fan of it. (laughs) I I don't I mean it's just apples and oranges. I like stand up much, much more. Yeah. But those improv shows are packed all like IA Improv Asylum always is has a full crowd, from what I can tell. Well, also a lot of their business comes from their former students. Mm, that makes sense. Uh, I think Improv's also a more like like it's it's just an easier sell for a night out for someone who's kind of like into comedy but not in like you got like stand up is way more you got to be really into comedy. Improv is what's the better way to put it? You know. I don't know. I think if you're just trying to sell people in comedy, it's easier to sell them on stand-up than it is improv because stand-up is more well-known as being comedy than to, improv. No, no, no. But I meant just like, oh, what are we going to do tonight? Let's just do something. Like, just like, oh, how are we going to fill our night? You know what I mean? Improv is like going to get dinner at like a diner. In stand-up, you're like choosing a specific cuisine. And sometimes you don't really have that cuisine in mind. You just want to kind of go. You know what, you know what I mean? Like, it's just. It's an interesting way to look at it. I don't know if I necessarily agree, but I definitely don't disagree with that It's not the best analogy, analogy, but it's sort of. I just think it's. I don't know. I'm trying to think of a... Also, one problem I have with improv, unless I, I am an improviser of sorts, I guess. I mean, I had fun with the Second City. But one thing I have, like, 
I've never I've seen amateurs at improv get uproarious laughter that will never happen in stand up. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Well part of it's the situation. It, listen, yeah. Improv survives a, a laugh a lot of laughter from improv come from the situation that they're in at that moment. So that is why improv seems so successful is because you're there, you're in the moment, you're laughing a part of it. It it's conducive to that that kind of laughter. So you get bigger laughs because you're in that moment. Whereas stand up, you have to be it's it's less spontaneity. It's the, uh, there's less spontaneity with improv or with stand up than there is improv. So the spontaneity does I think affect the improv laughter, which is I think unfortunate. Um, it's great when you can create that, but sometimes it just happens naturally by ac- uh, accident. Naturally by accident, where that, especially if it's an awkward yeah. laugh or whatever it was. Have you ever thought about auditioning for IB since you've been here? No, only because it would just take away from my stand up. Like, like those, those, I, I really enjoy improv. I really enjoy improv. Um, I miss it. I sketch especially, but it's just the hours in the days that I have available, I'm focusing them all on the only time in my life I would go back to sketch and improv is if I become so established in stand up that I don't have to produce my own shows and I can just book like shows all the time and then get back into improv and sketch. But until then it's solely from an, you know, the, the economy of how much time I have, it's not worth it. Does that make sense? No, I can totally understand. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's some people I thought about going back to doing improv just because it keeps me into the comedy community and it has me in it a whole other side. It helps you stay sharp on stage, man. I there's mean, that. I did. There's I also was, the people. There's other, there's a yes, whole other community of too, comedians. But I did, so I did the whole Second City training program and I went through their whole thing. I, I'm positive all that stuff gave me skills that I use on stage now um, with stand-up. I know for a fact, especially in the beginning. Now it's more of just building off my stand-up success. But in the beginning, absolutely. And learning how to like, when to pause, when to ride laughs, when to, uh, like, kind of change it up and, you know, trust your instincts and, you know. Um, now, you say you're going to move back to L.A. in September. Yep. Uh, what job are you doing now? Are you going to be able to transfer that job to L.A.? Because that's a big part of a lot of people's moves is whether they can take a job with them. Like, for me, I never would have moved here if I didn't have a job here. No, my work situation is ridiculous. I work two part-time jobs and I make a little bit of, I make, I, like, barely get by every month right now. Um... Oh, it's cute. Month m- month to month? Oh, I'm week to week. Well, <laughs> I'm day <yeah>. to day. <laughs> uh, I mean, I make some money from producing my shows. Yeah. City side, hideout. You know, not a lot, but a little here, a little there. Yeah. I work two part-time jobs. No, when I go back to L.A., just going to – I've got a little – I mean, I've got a little change in the bank just to get me through. Probably just to start out, just Uber or something, just to – you know, because my focus is – comedy i want as much comedy to be part of my work so probably try and find some rooms um like um like a city side like a hide out there and just build this hustle man just fucking hustle get those rooms real hot it's gonna take me a little bit and then just build up those rooms where it's like people know hey man if you're in this part of town on this night of the week that's where you go for a good show and then once i have a certain level of comic going there give me another level get another level you know i know a girl who I, I don't know her well, but I know a girl who runs a show every Monday or once a month on Mondays in LA. Burr drops in, other people drop in because you know it's like it's a Monday night. They would work out a bit, and like you get someone like that to do your show. <sighs> Come on, man. I mean that's yeah, that adds credibility. Oh yeah, especially for the audience. Word of mouth is the best promotional tool out there. 
Right. Um, I, that, I'm 100% believe, believing that. Dude, you go to a show on a Monday night, Tuesday you go back to the office, and they go, so what did you do last night? Oh my God, dude, I saw Bill Burr at this place. Yeah, exactly. That and works. Then- Even if it wasn't Bill Burr, they go, dude, I went to this really great comedy show at the Hideout or at Cityside over in Cleveland Circle. I live around the corner, dude. We should go next week. Especially weekly. Weekly is uh, a bit is very helpful. But so, are you comfortable with just doing random jobs? No, not at all. What do you mean? Just to support comedy? Because like for me, I'm never, I never want to go back to doing a job where I have to wear a name tag or a polo shirt. Like I can't. No. Like because pro- also my career in radio has yeah. been my identity for so long no. that I don't know if I can do a job that where I'm not doing a real job. No, I, I'll do any job. Um, I'm not. I'm nothing's below. Well, there are jobs that I would never do, but like I would. What would you not do? I don't know, like cleaning up trash or like okay. janitorial. Janitorial, yeah, probably like or I don't know. So it's, I mean, I'd have to like I wouldn't like clean someone's toilets. Okay. I, I mean, I, I'm not. You know, I, I would. I guess if it's like I really had to do that job, but um, I, my favorite jobs where I get to interact with people, entertain them. So like, I'm a tour guide at a distillery on the weekends, part time in Boston. I love that. Uh, Sam Adams or, or, or no, uh, no, it's called Bully Boy. They make whiskey and vodka oh, okay. and stuff. Yeah, because I know I applied to the Sam's one. Oh yeah, when I first moved well, there, that's it a brewery. Up. Yeah, I work at a distillery. So breweries oh, are beer, distilleries yeah, liquor. Yeah. Sorry, I did not pay no, attention. Everyone, everyone always says that because they don't because you just think brewery right away. The worst part is if I was sitting here and somebody did the same thing, I'm like, uh, a distillery is alcohol, beer, brewery is a beer. I would have done that same thing and I didn't catch Sorry. myself on it, but. Uh, I, I applied to do it, be a tour guide at Sam Adams when I first moved here. Cause I was like free beer. Fuck yes. Uh, and it was right after I had visited the place and I, I got rejected and I don't know why, but, uh, my big joke was, did somebody, did somebody tell him I drink cheap beer? Is that why I didn't get the job? That's funny. I, th- for me, it's just, it's more important that I have a job that does not get in the way of stand up. So I wouldn't even want an office job. I wouldn't even want like a regular career job because I wouldn't want it to have potential to go anywhere because it's just going to get in the way. Really? Yeah. So what you're I, okay with doing just whatever? That's what I do now. I work yeah. I work part-time at Slumbrew, part-time at... This oh, dis- did you start working at Slumbrew? Yeah. I work, Explains the, the hoodie. Yeah. I, work, I just assumed you were being supportive of CJ. No, CJ got me a job there. He hooked it up, man. They needed like a new like online marketing person part-time. So I worked there two days a week. Okay. I work at the distillery. Um, on weekends, I make some money doing my shows and then just, and I host bar trivia once a week. I make yep. some money doing that. And then just like little random things that I can find here and there, you know, over the summer I was, a, I was a tour guide in Boston. I did the movie sites tour, the Boston, like, but that shut down. That didn't get enough business. It's not going to happen anymore. Unfortunately, but it was cool. We did like, took people past with like, they filmed like, um, Goodwill hunting and the departed and stuff, but this wasn't enough. Uh, people come here to do the freedom trail. They don't want to do the movie tours. Um, but I've always well. There's been a lot more movies filming here recently. Yeah, I don't know. Do you think that would have been beneficial if they could have lasted longer? I think the well, the company is based in New York, and they just didn't want to deal with it. I I don't have it in me to try and start my own bus tour. So I'm leaving now, especially why I wouldn't. But yeah, it was fun. So yeah, I'm just gonna do odd jobs. I always have. Um, TMZ was the first time. I mean, I had like internships in college and stuff, but TMZ was the first like real regular job, and I had like health insurance and a 401k and all that stuff. And it was nice, but. I didn't have time to do anything. I didn't have time to do comedy. I was there all the time. So, um, yeah, I, I'm very fortunate. I have no debt. A lot of comics do. I didn't pay for college. Um, you know, I pay off my credit cards on time. I don't live extravagantly. I don't have a lot of bills. So that's, I have a lot of freedom in that sense. You know, if I had a lot of debt, I don't know what I would do. 
Did you pick the? Did you apply for the job at the distillery because you enjoy liquor that much, or just like I was oh, just, it's a tour guide? It's something I can learn and, and do. I was just browsing around online for something I could do that would be kind of like interact with people. Um, I, I'm always kind of scooping out what's online, and it seemed cool. So I said, "Hey, fuck it, let's do it." And um, you know, they hired me because I was a comedian. Actually, they loved that. Yeah, they thought, they thought it was cool. <sighs> well, being a comedian, I'm pretty sure helps with being a tour guide and stuff like that. Yeah. So. If you go back to LA, are you gonna are you gonna reapply to the TMZ bus tour again? No fucking way. Because <laughs> you, I would, I would, no, I would go broke for. I mean, they, were, I have a fine relationship with the company. They, they, it wasn't bad, but it's like, I would not want to do that job again. That would just be, yeah. Do you think you've been too far out of the celebrity gossip game that you could you could hang? If you had to do it, let's just say you had to. They offered you whatever. Would you feel apprehensive about, I don't know what's going on in celebrity no, news? I could learn that shit quick. He's going to memorize all the crap online. I just don't, I just would rather not be in that world again. Yeah. I would just rather do something else. Cool. All right. Well, took up enough of your time. Interesting stuff. How long did we record for? Uh, two hours and six minutes. If anybody listened to this full thing and you mentioned this at the end, I'm going to buy you two shots in a beer. <laughs> if you made it. Through the, the the 15 minutes since the last time he mentioned if it. If you come to City Side on Mondays or the Hideout on Fridays in April. And other than that, I don't know. This, you know <laughs> AlexGetlin.com, at AlexGetlin on Twitter. No one's going to follow me, but cool. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for doing this. Yeah, that's cool, man. And there you go. There you have it. The podcast. Uh, there with my friend Alex Gatlin. Very interesting guy, right? Yeah. He sounds as interesting uh, and charming as he looked, because he is a gorgeous-looking guy. And I kind of hate that about him. He is a good-looking dude. But he's good people, I guess so. Uh, so one of the things that we were talking about, uh, I never got to this on the podcast, but uh, we were talking about uh, during the thing, um, Alex had met Shaq during one of his tours. I also got to meet Shaq, and I didn't get to talk about this on the podcast. And it's very quick. It's basically uh, Shaq was in Baltimore when he had that TV shows like Shaq does or whatever it was, where he would try and uh, compete against experts in their fields. Like they would train him for a week and then he would compete against them to see if he could win. And he was in Baltimore for at the time uh, to learn how to swim with, uh, I really should have looked up this guy's name. He has the most gold medals any, uh, of any Olympic swimmer or any Olympian. Uh, Michael Phelps. There is the name. That's his name. Michael Phelps. Uh, I try to push that name out of my head. Um, every single time because I don't want to think about him because he's apparently a jerk, apparently. People that I know who have met him are not very uh, fond of his attitude. There was like one time he came to a bar in my old neighborhood and him and I actually lived in the same neighborhood in Baltimore. But he came to the bar with a bunch of his buddies and the b- a bouncer tried to ID him at the door and he's like, don't you know who I am? I'm, I'm Michael Phelps. And he's like, I don't, don't care. You don't have an ID, you're not getting in. And had to turn him away, which... Uh, that whole, you don't know who I am thing. Ugh, don't you know who I am kind of bollocks. Ugh, that just drives me crazy when somebody tries to pull that stuff. But again, that secondhand knowledge just from somebody else. I'm not even thirdhand. It might have been somebody who heard it from the bouncer. I mean, I heard it from the bouncer himself now that I think about it. But I'm pretty sure I knew who that, no, I totally know who the bouncer is at Max's Tap House in Broad, uh, uh, in Fells Point on Broadway. Uh, there's a little plug for you. If you're in Baltimore, if you're in Baltimore, uh, over oh well over probably close to 300 now beers on tap at that place. Uh, they don't pay me to say that because I live in Boston and they don't even know I said it. But it's a nice uh, bar and I like the people there. Or I used to when I used to go there. I don't know. Maybe the people who's been turned around. Maybe it's a complete group of assholes. Probably not. They've always had a good group of um, employees who work there. People just are 
good bartenders, people to be around. So, so like I was saying, Shaq was in town to train with Michael Phelps to learn how to swim. And I was coming home from the bar one night, and he was in the Royal Farms, uh, Royal Farms Rofo, as we call it, from Baltimore. It's a just a, a chain of convenience stores. It's like a Wawa, but on meth. It's like. <laughs> It's just kind of ghetto, uh, but it's good. I used to get there all the time, but there was one across the street from my old apartment in Baltimore in Fells Point, and now you know exactly where I live, but I was coming home. Shaq was in there getting food. I was going in there to get food or something to drink uh, myself, oh, food and drink. I was probably drunk. I was, it was probably a cheesesteak and Western fries and a Snapple iced tea and a Reese's Big Cup. Oh, man, that was my that was my late night drunk food of choice but uh somebody was like dude checks in the rofo i was like i don't care and i went in anyway uh to get my food and i went up at the the you know shack was in front of one of the refrigerators getting something to drink and i went over to get something and he's standing in front i was like uh excuse me he goes oh i'm sorry and i opened the door and i was like yeah you better be and i grabbed it and i looked at it and we laughed and then i walked away and said nothing to him but he was like ordering like six sandwiches and all kinds of food because he's a big guy i'm assuming with a big appetite or he's ordering for his whole crew but he ordered a lot of food uh from that world farms uh takeout at like two in the morning <laughs> so that's my experience with Shaq running to him going yeah you better be sorry to a guy who i came up to his navel uh height wise yeah so that was my experience with Shaq. I didn't get to, to, to that on the podcast there, but wanted to share that story because it was a little bit fun one. All right. So this is what happened in the podcast. Why it's late. I, uh, as you know, I've been having tons of computer problems, which is the only thing that I can't really do here. Uh, the computer is fine this time, but it was the, uh, the, the, I keep all the audio on a slave drive on a backup hard drive. And for whatever reason, this problem was happening before, but I thought I had fixed it, but I guess I didn't. Um, there's a wire that plugs the hard drive into the computer so you can access it. That plug just comes loose. There's no way of connecting that plug to stay stay in. So what I did is I had to eventually go buy a, uh, a, a eternal, an external hardware dock, an enclosure of some sort to put the hard drive in and plug it into a USB port. So that's uh, it was going through that. And there was the other issue of, and I kind of talked about it a little bit there on the podcast. So we'll, um, for those who don't know, we'll explain. I uh, have been in and out of the hospital for the past four months. Uh, this is the first time that I'm going fully public, like putting it on record. Uh, I have been doing jokes about it. Some of my friends know. My family obviously knows, but uh, close friends, but not everybody knows that I uh, almost had a fatal heart attack on New Year's. Uh, what had happened was, uh, so sorry if you're, like this is going to get some pretty heavy stuff. Uh, I'll try and slip in some of the jokes I've been writing about it just to lighten the mood, guys. But uh, if you don't want to hear about this, I understand. You could turn it off, but it is a pretty serious thing uh, for me. I uh, Right after Christmas, day after Christmas, I was having chest pains. And I went to the hospital, and they didn't find anything. Uh, test results showed that, I, that, they, that there wasn't a heart attack, uh, that they didn't know what was going on. So they released me with the recommendation that I go get a stress test. So I scheduled a stress test with a doctor that they recommended. And he was like, I can see you in three weeks. I'm like, dude, I'm in a ton of pain right now. Like the pain would increase when I walked. Uh, so for about four or five days, uh, th- actually about three or four days, every time I started walking or doing anything um, with exertion, I would have pain and I'd have to stop the pain subsided. Uh, and then Wednesday, December 30th of 2015, I was walking home from a show and I uh, had pain that would not go away. And it got so severe that I had to stop 
I couldn't continue walking. And it never went away, so I went, got, got in the house and decided that I needed to go to the hospital, called an ambulance, went there, and the, uh, the next day they eventually found what is a 90% blockage in what is, and I'm probably going to screw this name up because I keep doing that, lateral arterial descending artery, which is like the main artery in your heart. They found a 90% blockage, so I did not have a heart attack. Uh, I almost had a heart attack, and the way it was told me, it was almost a fatal heart attack. If that had blockage had closed all the way up, even if I was in the hospital, there's very little to no chance that they probably would have been able to save me, so... That's something that I've been dealing with the past four months. So if you know me personally, you haven't heard about this because then that means you haven't seen me do comedy uh, or you haven't talked to me. But I've I've been doing jokes about it on stage to try and just move through it So because it's been kind of a big deal. So for the past four months, I've been working out, lowering my cholesterol, uh, switched to a mostly vegetarian diet. Um, and I'm not saying that because, oh, you should go vegetarian. I have to do it. I have to get my cholesterol down. I had to. And I've lowered it a lot. Uh, I'm on medications to get all that done. And uh, right after this podcast, that I recorded this podcast with Alex, I had to go back in for similar chest pains when I was walking. And they found another blockage. So the hardest part about this has been four months of work. Oh, and by the way, I've quit smoking. I wasn't doing a great job of quitting smoking up until this second incident three weeks ago. Uh, But now I've been three weeks cigarette free the harder part about all this especially after the the second surgery they had to do a surgery they go into the heart and they open up with what's called a stint it's a small little like chinese finger trap very tiny little thing it looks like a spring on a pen and they put your that in your artery and it opens up to alleviate the blockage and a piece of metal that's in there uh, all the time now uh it's The hardest part about dealing with this, especially the second time, is I've done all this work to get myself in the better place and to no avail, basically. Like, it just got worse. The condition got worse. Yeah, I've lost 34 pounds or whatever it is, 30-some pounds. And I've lowered my cholesterol at least 150-some points by now. But the fact that I have hereditary high cholesterol, that my body's actively producing cholesterol, was a real uh, down down downswing for me. So I've been over the past four months. Been uh, I've always battled depression. Uh, past four months I've been battling it, and the past three weeks I've been really having troubles with it because it's almost like pointless. Like why go through all the work and the heart uh, the heartache, uh, no pun intended, to get myself healthy if all my body's going to want to do is to not be healthy, you know. Like, my body's working to try and, uh, to, working against me. Like, it's almost no matter what I do, this is going to happen. Like, my, like it's just, it's a family issue. It's a body area issue. My, my, my father was on medication to lower cholesterol. My father had two heart attacks, two strokes. Granted, he didn't really take care of himself. So that's why that happened. I wasn't taking care of myself. That's why it's happening to me at 34 years old. And let's talk about this. 34 years old, I almost died of a heart attack. Uh, I almost had a heart attack, and I'm very adamant about saying almost, and that's because uh, my friends, between my anger issues and my diet, my friends have been betting that I would die of a heart attack by 35, and I don't turn 35 now at this point for another uh, three, uh, 18 days. So uh, I'm trying to beat the spread on that, all right? I want I want to win that bet against them. So all I got to do is make it 18 more days, you guys. Less than three weeks away, and then I win. Nothing. I win nothing. But it's... 
like my my bro, both of my brothers are on the the medication, and I have I've supposed to have been on the medication. I just wasn't taking it because I didn't have health insurance, and it's very expensive stuff. Now it's ugh, what I'm paying for doctor visits and medication and eating right, eating healthy is expensive too. Like, dude, cigarettes and cheeseburgers so much cheaper. <laughs> Well, that's the reason I'm in the situation I'm in now. Like even I got a I, I got a uh, a prescription for Shantix from my doctor to help with the quitting smoking, and my insurance doesn't cover quitting smoke medications. Which like don't they understand that the longer I live, the more I'm able to pay you? You know what I mean? Like the less you have to pay, the healthier I am. Out, you know. The less you have to pay out, the healthier I am. Does that make sense to you? Or no, the healthier I am, the less you have to pay out. Does that make sense to them? I guess not. So the Shantix itself, $300 a month with 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 it for it. $300 a month. I don't even spend that much on cigarettes. Like So it costs three times as much to quit smoking than it does to smoke. Luckily, I quit. I didn't use the Shantix. I just cold turkey so far. And cinnamon sticks, carrying around cinnamon sticks and using that as a cigarette to get over that manual manipulate. No, it's gum. Really, I've just been chewing gum. Cinnamon sticks does not work. If any, if any of you are trying to quit smoking, cinnamon sticks, ah, didn't work for me. Uh, you just hold the cinnamon stick like you would a cigarette. That's what they, yeah, that's what they say. But anyway, uh, so it's very, it's it's been pretty expensive. And so I've been in and out of hospitals dealing with that, dealing with all that. So that's one reason why the podcast has fallen to the wayside. It's because I've been usually when one of these things happen, I have to uh, happen. I can't edit when I'm in a hospital bed because my computer is at home. I mean, granted, I could put on a laptop and my laptop slow as hell. And it's just, I don't know. I probably could have made it more in an effort to edit the stuff if I was, well, sitting in a hospital bed. But who, who wants to deal with that? You know, when you're trying to figure out whether you're going to make it to the end of the week to post the podcast or not. So that's where we're at. And I was pretty hopeless and uh, downtrodden for the past couple of weeks. I'm, I'm bad on my way out of it right now. Uh, but uh, by the way, you don't have to like send me messages and stuff like Dennis, you know, keep a chin up. Good job. Keep going. Uh, that, that kind of positive encouragement doesn't make me feel good at all. Like I don't take, <laughs> I don't take compliments very well. Uh, that's just the world I live in. Uh, personally, whenever somebody says something nice, I just, ugh. why would you say that? Ugh. don't talk to me. I don't, uh, but if you want to leave a comment, uh, on iTunes or Stitcher or now Google play, we are now on Google play. If you're a Google play listener, you can listen to, so what do, so what do you really do on Google play? Uh, just search Google Play, and I have a link on the podcast site, deadairdennis.com slash podcast. There's a link right to that. So if you want to go there and listen to it through your Google Play, you can do that if you're a Google Play uh, person. I am not. I'm an iTunes guy. Uh, so I listen. I guess I listen to the podcast. Uh, I just admitted listening to my own podcast, didn't I? Oh, Well, I know it's at least one download. <laughs> it's my own. But... Uh, if you wanted to do, uh, you can do me that, that favor. Go to the comment section of iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you're listening to it. Leave a comment. Five stars it. Uh, that way it's going to be the, the way the, the matrix works. The more people that comment and share or like this, the more that the iTunes aggregator or 
Stitcher or Google Play. We'll share it with other people. Uh, the more people that get to hear the podcast, the more people that get to hear my friends and artists and whatnot uh, and whomever else I'm going to be having on the show. And it will do well eventually for them. And I hope that people are finding this interesting. Actually, I just... Um, I'm, I'm going to get away from talking about myself now. Uh, well, no, I'm talking about serious stuff. I'll keep talking about myself. <laughs> uh, one of the things that I uh, I did the other day is I went uh, rock climbing. And afterwards, I was leaving, and there's a there was a uh, open studio thing at some maker hacker space uh, that I was at the other day. And I was talking to a bunch of really great uh, creators and stuff. And... I think I'm going to do an entire podcast with the people that work in this this artist asylum in uh, here in Boston because there's a ton of creative craftsmen, artsy people that work out of that space that I had no idea um, they were there. And I was honestly, I basically was doing interviews with them while I was, I was like, so uh, what do you do? Who does this? How are you? And I, I'm I'm going to take a recorder down there and just sit down with a bunch of the people there and talk about the uh, the the person who runs the shop, how the place came around. Um, that will come someday. I probably shouldn't have said that on the podcast now because I don't know when that is going to happen. Uh, but I'm going to work to make that soon. So we're going to talk to a lot of fabricators and, and uh, those kinds of visual artists soon, uh, which I'm excited about. That's why I brought it up. I'm excited about that. And I wanted to stop talking about sad things. So uh, if you did get all the way through this podcast, I appreciate it. Thank you. Uh, and I know Alex earlier mentioned uh, if you listen to the podcast, tweet him. And you should just just tweet at him or go to, go to one of his shows. He runs a, co- a bunch of shows here in town. So, you know, we thank him for doing that, for putting, giving people an opportunity to get on stage. So I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Sorry for the sad, depressing stuff at the end. I hope you laughed at some of the jokes that I was trying to slip in there. I know it wasn't many jokes. I got very serious on there, and I'm sorry. If you're crying, I am terribly sorry. But uh, if I made you cry on this podcast talking about my heart condition, uh, go ahead and leave that a comment on how much of an asshole I am for making you cry while listening to a podcast in the comment section of iTunes and uh, give it five stars. Okay. Guys, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it so very much. I enjoy talking to people and sharing these interviews with you. Uh, So if you do listen, I appreciate that. Thank you guys so much. Uh, Take care.